0: Okay, so this is our weekly Bible study for January 21st, 2007. I'm going to go ahead and uh, get into some things today here. The, the first thing is an article by uh, Pastor Chuck Baldwin that uh, I received. This was actually quite a, a little bit ago, and I've been so behind in trying to get through all of the recent uh, things I've gotten lately, and, and this is a very good article um on um it was entitled Is it ignorance or misplaced trust? And this is in regard to the pastors. And what I did is I really felt compelled to expand on this when I got this article biblically. Because see, so many times you, you get stuff and I don't know how much scripture's in here, but there's never enough scripture for me because I, I read these things and all these Bible verses start flooding into my head and I'm thinking, Well, why you know they should have put this in there they could have made their argument so much stronger people today in the christianity in the circles that that are there they don't tend to argue off scripture their argument may be scripture based but they don't quote the scripture and i think it's important to quote the scripture you're basing your argument off of because the because the bible is the foundation and if the foundation's be destroyed what can the righteous do so everybody's got an opinion Our opinions are worthless if if they're in contradiction of the Word of God I got no big debate this week with um, a guy about uh, the uh, that hallelujah diet and and the, and the whole vegetarian thing and this guy who there's no way he could have been saved i I don't think because the Bible says by their fruit you shall know them and I mean this guy all he was giving me was his opinion and he he had the audacity to say that scripture quote proves nothing and that um uh, what else did he say to me? Scripture proves nothing. That was an exact quote. And he says that scripture cannot stand up underneath the scientific scru- scrutiny. And that he said, firsthand personal beliefs are are more important in these things. What does that matter about anything? And you know something? If what your well, science is proving contradicts the word of God, you're wrong. Science has been wrong for for years. In fact, um, they ought to. Uh, I heard this analogy once in regard to, this was in regard to the medical profession, in regard to how they'll come out with something every so often and, and say, okay, this is the, the new wonder drug or this is the new thing that we found. And he said that they ought to have an in grease pencil so that they can erase it because five years down the road, they realize how asinine they were in proposing that very thing. It, it, it doesn't hold up under any kind of scrutiny because then they'll find something five years down the road or 10 or whatever that'll disprove it. So the Word of God's not like that. It's 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 the old past, which is what we are to seek for. These old landmarks aren't going to change. They're not going to change. That's what I like about it. That's why I always go back to it because you know something? What I finally I I got to the point with this, because it was two email exchanges, and this guy, he said. I've got so many degrees, uh, you know, through, I'm looking back through all my years and all my degrees in academia, and all all these, this guy had, you know, all these degrees that I was in this debate with. It was an asinine debate. I told him that. I said at the end, I said to the guy, I said, this is an asinine debate. I said, because the problem is, is we are arguing from two positions that are diametrically opposed. I said, and they shouldn't be diametrically opposed, but in his terms, they are. I, now, when science verifies the Bible, they're not diametrically opposed, Okay? But when it contradicts the Bible, they are. And he was basically saying, oh, if you're a meat eater, it's proven that it leaches calcium out of your bones. Give me a break. Well, I guess I guess Jesus Christ, David, all the people in the Bible who are men of God, or, or women of God, were all out of God's will when they ate meat. Think about that. I mean, you, I said, use some common sense. You know? Come let us reason together, saith the Lord. But he... He basically was just saying a lot of very asinine things. And you know what about it? If I would have taken the time, and I don't have the time, I could have went up and gotten research, medical research, to disprove what he was saying as well. Because you've got, you don't know what vested interest is behind that study. See, that's all that matters. Who is the one paying for the funding of the study you're getting? And I learned that from my mentor, Dr. Davis, because he, he finds out all the time that, that he'll go up there, he'll get some report across his desk, and he'll do some research and be able to refute that scientific study with five other ones that refute it and say the opposite. It depends who's funding the study, because the money is what makes, is the motivation for them. If they have a hidden agenda where they want to introduce a particular drug or a particular thing or, or promote some particular system of beliefs, well, if they've got enough money, they can get them to say anything. And then, when they get that study published, then they can say, ah, now we can release this drug, or we can do this to justify it. Well, we've got studies behind it. Give me a break. I'm going to be happy when, when we're in the millennium, or in heaven, and we don't have to worry about any of this deception. We're exposed on almost a daily basis, really. Uh, so, this, um, this article what I wrote in here because I have a lot of pastors on my email list I got quite a few and I said this is not directed to any pastor on my email list but it's more of a general indictment of the typical American pastor who has fallen or always was asleep and or is a hireling okay because that's the problem they're hirelings they're doing it for the money um, jeremiah twenty three one through four jeremiah twenty three one through four says woe be unto the pastors Now, I read something the other day, some guy emailed me, and he said, he referred to himself as brother, brother, okay, well, I understand we're brothers in Christ and these types of things, but he says that no titles are biblical. I said, now, hold on here. It says right here that a pastor is a biblical title. It's in the Old Testament. Bishop is actually a biblical title, and a deacon is a biblical title. Now, well, it does say, it does make reference in the Old Testament to priests, but more in the Old Testament Levitical law system, and then they they got men that that um, nowadays uh, Benny Hinn's one of them because I, I saw a little clip of him the other day. He was on he was on TV and he had his collar on, and, and uh, he's what he's doing now is he wears these vests and it, and it looks like a priest collar because it's got that notch right here cut out. You know how they have that notch and they have their their little white thing, it's cut out now. It's a white shirt underneath it. So it looks like a priest collar almost. He's just about there, Benny. Benny, come on, just go a little bit more. You can get that priest collar going. Just, just strap it on. See how, see how it feels. You know, try it on for size, Benny. You're almost there. And he was he was interviewing this this black guy down in um, down in uh, Jamaica. He's got this church down there, and he he was talking and lamenting to the fact that uh, um. Uh, he said so many things that were so un- unbiblical and ungodly. I don't even know where to begin. But he-, he said that we're all citizens of the kingdom of heaven and all this stuff and, the- and that we need to demand our healing because we are citizens and we are entitled to our healing and we need to demand it as citizens of heaven. And then he start- He went in all his re- re- rebuking devils and demons and, and uh, uh, casting out sickness and all those other things. Now how can Satan cast out Satan? I, I mean... I'm sorry, but these men are not men of God. They're sure are not men of God. And the Bible says, if a kingdom be divided against itself, how can it stand? How can Satan cast out Satan? How can Beelzebub, who is the prince of devils, cast out... Well, now, I do think there's instances when you go, let's say, to a... Um, if you're at one of these Pentecostal charismatic churches, and somebody comes in there with some type of infirmity, and if if, if the devil's in charge of that infirmity, and if the devil's over that that... Let's say a demon is causing it. And that person is so-called healed, or whatever. And it causes that person to say, Oh, wow. I don't really care what... Even though all the stuff that this church is saying contradicts the Bible, I'm going to believe this because I know it's real. I got healed. I know it's real for me. Now, I think the devil will do that all day long. Because the Bible says he's going to come of all lying signs and wonders. And I guarantee you he's going to be. there's going to be people that are so-called healed. When Lord Maitreya appeared... In Nairobi, Kenya, in, uh, was it 88 or 89, and I got the pictures. When he appeared then, he healed a whole bunch of people. And then he got in a taxi cab and drove off, and they let him off, and he disappeared. I just was up on his website the other night again, and and he's, he's, uh, now he hasn't appeared anywhere in about three or four years. He stopped, he just stopped materializing in the churches. He stopped. But they're really, they're really saying up there that um, he's going to make his... This is called the Dev Declaration. It's going to be soon. And uh, Benjamin Cream, his false prophet, just addressed the United Nations last month or two months ago. So, Lord Maitreya. Yeah. So anyway, um, just some examples here of um, what to look for if, if, if somebody's serving God. And if, if a pastor's out there and what he's teaching you and what he's doing and the way he's leading his life, if it's contradictory to the word of God, well then you have to question, is he a man of God? Is is he God's servant or is he not? Now in America, good luck. I, I mean, not luck, but, because luck's driving the word Lucifer. But it's just about good luck. You know? <laughs> because, um, it's almost non-existent. Finding a church that I would say is really right with the Lord is just about non-existent. Um, as soon as you go in and you put yourself under that 501c3 covering, I believe you open yourself up to all kind com- of just a mess, a can of worms. Um, and there are so many things that are done as the tradition of men go that dictate to that pastor how he runs that church and they're not biblical either, so much of it. And, it took me a little while to figure this all out, or I figured it out to a certain extent. And that's why there's, you know, us five that meet here. Because of this very reason. Because they're not doing it biblically. I wish there was a biblical church in our area that was doing, you know, but it's just not happening. So it says, woe be unto the pastors, Jeremiah 23, 1-4. One, uh, one through four. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy. Now, what do these pastors do? They destroy and scatter the sheep. So, they destroy them. It's not enough to destroy them. They've got to scatter them, too. The sheep of my pasture. So, these are, it sounds like, these are people that were really saved. I mean, if you're a sheep, you're a sheep. If you're saved, you're saved, okay? If you're a sheep, there's nothing you can do to, be, to, to, to become something that's not a sheep. I mean, you're sheep. The sheep of my pasture. So, these pastures do two things. They destroy and they scatter. It's probably lessy. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, okay, so, um, these pastors, they do these two things, they destroy and they scatter. Now, it says pastors, so, I mean, this is something that they're in reference to. You would think that, you know, you could apply this directly to the modern day pastor. And they're doing the exact same thing in, in our day and age. I mean, they could. this is just as true as it is today, as when it was written in Jeremiah. In fact, its I guarantee you, it's more true, because we're in the midst, and in the very last part of the great apostasy that was predicted in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and the great falling away, uh, the, the, the whole thing, the Laodicean church age. So this is something we should be expecting. Um, and that's why the sheep are so scattered. They're, it's very, very hard to find... Uh, sheep that are scattered. I don't encounter very many of them. And if they're scattered, they are hard to find. I mean, if, if you if you would, uh, I guess, let's say if we were to go out in the world and try to, try to look for these sheep or whatever, um, they're not easy to find because they're scattered. And not only that, to a large part, they've been, I think to a certain part, they've been leavened, the sheep. They've been taught false doctrine. Now, not to say they're not still sheep, not to say they're not still saved, but they have been taught false things, and I think maybe a lot of them have finally figured out, well, this can't be biblical. I mean, I, I bought into this, this, and this, but I can't buy into this. So they leave the church, and they don't go anywhere. So they're by themselves. They're cloistered off. They're scattered. And to a certain extent, their faith has been, I'm not saying it's been totally destroyed, but it's been, it's been hurt. I mean, it, it's been leavened to a certain extent. And this is the problem you get when you trust in man. Woe be, let's say the Lord um, you know, woe be unto them that, that put their faith in man and make flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. So you, you can't do that. If you put your trust in man, man will fail you, period. If it contradicts the word of God, then it's not of God, period. So if we would just use that as our standard... I don't think we get our feelings hurt as much, because then we wouldn't be so, you know, if something happened, oh, a church split, or this or that, or these things. I I just don't think people would get their their feelings hurt as much if they would just rely on this as their standard and not worry about what man's opinion is. And when man starts to deviate this, and I don't care if he's your pastor or not, well, you point it out to him, and if he wants to maintain going down an unbiblical road, then you get out of there. You just, you do it. But I know several people, um, I'm sure many of them are on my email list, that are in churches. They know they're wrong. I've had them indicate this to me. And they're still in it. Now, I'm sorry, but I mean, it's one thing to hang around to try to straighten the situation out. But to hang around knowing the situation's never going to get straightened out, the only person that's going to get hurt is you. Because you're willfully participating in this system, and... If you're trying to change it from the inside out, well, that's all well and good, but I think it's too too far gone. If you're under a 501c3 heading and you've got a pastor that's not even reading the right Bible, how are you going to correct that situation? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, those are your two foundational issues, I believe. Bible you're reading and what covering are you under as a church? Are you under a governmental covering? A 501c3? Why? So I can write it off on my taxes? Well, the Bible says not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing when you give. Well, I don't know, it, it it just, to me, it seems it's all, everything's backwards in this country. So, woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pastor, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, against the pastors that feed my people, ye have scattered my flock. Now, what is his flock? His sheep. Okay. Flock, sheep. Okay, it just was in reference to sheep above. So we know we're talking about the same thing as the sheep. You have scattered my flock and have driven them away and have not visited them. Well, that's what happened to pretty much all of us, pretty much, if you really think about it. I mean, you're not going to have a whole lot of... If you've been driven away from from a church because of your biblical stance, you're not going to have a whole lot of people really wanting a lot to do with you, most of all the pastors. Because if they know they're in the wrong and they know they can't biblically justify what they're doing, they're going to avoid you like the plague. They're going to totally avoid you like the plague. Or if they do see you, you'll probably get some sarcasm, or, I don't know, I, I, I'm searching for the right word there, but but you, you're, you're going to, uh, they may not totally appear as your enemy on the surface, but I guarantee you, they're probably saying a whole lot behind your back, especially if you left their church, because they're going to have to justify why you left. Now, if they're not willing to own up to the things they were doing that were unbiblical that maybe you called them on the carpet for, then they're going to have to defend themselves. They're going to have to save face. And that's what all these pastors, just about that I've been around do. oh yeah, they get together, they save face, they, oh, this, oh, he's, you know... Yeah, he's, he's okay, but boy, he's got to get his head screwed on straight and these types of things and, and you need to do this and, and, you know, he's really radical and, and these types of things and, well, I want to see scripture. That's all I care about. Show me scripture. Show me where I'm wrong. I left a church one time and I said, all you got to do is show me scripture. They wouldn't show me scripture. They said, sh- they showed me one and, and didn't really even apply to the situation. And I said, that's not enough, pastor. And later, I came back to them and showed them scripture. Of I, and I was in the wrong. I was in the wrong, but they didn't show me any scripture. I came back to four preachers. Four. And I showed, and I emailed every one of them, and I showed them, here's where I was wrong. Here's where I was wrong. I said, I take God's side against myself. And I didn't come out and browbeat them, but it was like, I was, what I was thinking in my hands, I'm like, I wish you would have done this at the time. Because I wouldn't have went through with this if you would have given me scripture. But they didn't do it, and I'm, I guess they thought they were going to lose me, or, or I was going to go. And I ended up leaving anyway. If they would have given me scripture, I wouldn't have left. That's the ironic part about it. Isn't that crazy? Well, you know, I don't know. Maybe they thought I was a doctor, and I was given to the church, or what. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't. I don't. I don't think in those terms. I, I just really don't, because it's like, well if you start thinking like that, you're immediately going to go into a compromising situation. You're you're immediately going to get compromised. It's just a fact. So, um, it's crazy. So, you have scattered my flock, and have driven them away, and not visited them, and I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries whither I have driven them. Now, Now it says here, God had something to do with driving them away. This is, sounds like this is part of God's plan to me. He's going to drive the remnant. The, he's going to scatter the flock. It's biblical. Uh, he did it, at, I mean, if you think about it, he did it right in the New Testament, too. When they started to be persecuted. And they and that's how the gospel got spread. Okay, so, I believe we're coming back to this. I think we're in it now, and I think we're, we're, we're coming back to this. I will gather the remnant of my flock out of the countries, whether I have driven them, and I will bring... Them again to their folds. Now their folds is in reference to the flock, and they shall be fruitful and in increase. That's good, and I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them. So God's going to finally get to the point where He is going to set some shepherds over these people, where they actually can get fed and not fed poison, because that's what they're being fed right now. Here's your feed, poison, rat poison, which is cuminin. You look like you're. A- yeah. Did you know Coumadin was rat poison? Coumadin, the drug, the blood thinning drug, rat rat poison. That was what it was originally developed for, is to be a rat poison. And bless God, you know they 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 did the next logical thing and they turned it into a prescription drug to thin 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 people's blood. That's what it's for. It's also called warfarin. That's another name for it. I just had a guy that went in the patient that went in the hospital last week. You know, I couldn't figure out why this guy wasn't improving. He was, a, he was a lung cancer case I had, stage four, he had a miraculous turnaround, praise the Lord, we put him on a whole bunch of uh, different um, uh, uh, whole food vitamin supplements and herbs. He should have been dead a long time ago. All he got was lives from medical people. So he, he, But the last three, three or four months he's been going downhill and I've been doing everything but the kitchen sick to try to help this guy. He goes into the hospital, his lungs are filling up with fluid. And they're saying, oh, it's the lung cancer. No, actually, what he had done, he was taking Coumadin, six to eight aspirin per day, and a product I was giving him called natokinase, which is for um, thinning the blood naturally. Now, all he needed was the natokinase. But see, he had had blood clots before. And he was so paranoid he's going to get more. He was triple dosing. I said, I went into the hospital. I went in there to pray for him. And I, I I get in there, and I, I looked at my eyes, and I said, I said, I'm not going to mention his name, but I said, there is no other place you could have ended up but here. Know this. Know this, that because you were doing all of this, and I wasn't mean about it, but I mean, I had to get my point across, you had to end up here in the hospital. You can't do Coumadin, um, 6-8-aspirin, and kinase. Your, your blood's going to be like water. It's going to be like water. I said, What happened is is it, is it, is it actually started bleeding internally. All the fluid started in, leaking into what they call the interstitial spaces of the lungs and the heart, and he went into congestive heart failure. I said, You had to end up here. I said, You can't do this. And he, it was the one thing he wasn't telling me. I said, I'm your doctor. You better tell me this stuff. I said, You can't do it. You can't have it all your way. I said, Do you realize the is just rat poison? It's rat poison. Then I looked up, I got an email the other day about Coumadin. And the reason that he was actually admitted there was because of congestive heart failure and what they call atrial fibrillation, which is where the the atrium, which is a part of the heart, starts fibrillating. It's like it just goes into spasm. One of the main things that Coumadin is doing to people is causing atrial fibrillation going into a stroke. He was that close to dying. And the atrial fibrillation was caused by the Coumadin. But the doctor said, oh, it's the cancer. You know what they did? They did a CAT scan on him. They, did all this. they couldn't find any cancer. No, he had stage four lung cancer a year ago. Ninety-four percent mortality rate. And you know what they told him? He was in there, and they said, "They said, well, we guess the vitamin therapy didn't work for you. Like, the, like you're doing, you're getting such better results than vitamin therapy. Ninety-four percent of people that get lung cancer die, and you're telling me you're doing so much better. I've got two lung cancer cases right now that were stage four, and they're both living." Praise God! I'm not going to take the credit for it, but they are. They're both living. They're both. Uh, uh, of course, Gary just had this spat or this bout, but he's out. He's out of the hospital now, confining lung cancer. Hypocrisy, hi- hypocrites, and devils abound in medical hospitals. Absolutely, totally abound. I detest it. I praise God for emergency medicine, save a life, do what you got to do. But beyond that, I'll tell you what: it is evil. Evil. I felt like I was walking into Satan's den when I walked into that hospital the other day. I can't stand going in those places. Um, getting back to this, and it says, I will gather my flock out of the countries whither I have driven them, and I will bring them again to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Well, this is what God said he's going to do. Now, um... I'm not saying that this is a verse meaning everything's going to get better, 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 or gooder and gooder and gooder. There's that one guy in the church that I used to go to used to say. Dick uh, Zeiss. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I do believe that this is a scriptural principle here, and it can happen. In, and I mean, I see it happening just with our little group that meets here. I mean, we, we have been gathered out of this, you know, and and hopefully I'm not giving you a bunch of lies. <laughs> Praise God. Um so, he does say this, but I think the big thing is, is these people really want to ha- have to have a desire for truth. And that's the problem. Most of the people don't even have a desire for the truth. So, they don't, it's not a big deal to them. Um, yes, the pastors many times are devils, but, but the people in the congregation aren't a whole lot better because they're content with being fed lies. They don't check it out. So, you know, they're really without excuse just as well. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, and today, and forever. So, the reason I put that in there is to say that this that this scripture verse is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, so this has a scriptural application for today's day and age. John 10, 11-13. Jesus Christ is quoted, saying, I am the Good Shepherd. Now, these are the verses that kind of, they'll start to flood my head when I read an article like this, and I don't know where they're at a lot of times, but I remember three words maybe out of there, and I'll put it into my my Blue Letter Bible Dictionary that anybody can go to online and put in a keyword phrase, and it'll tell me all the places that that occurs, and even if I've only got two words right, it'll tell me where those occur, and give me all the possible combinations, so I can find these verses very quickly, which is really nice. Um... Jesus Christ is quoted as saying, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So now, Jesus Christ is the ultimate good shepherd over the flock, over the sheep, okay? He gives his life for the sheep. Well, he did. He went to the cross. He went to the cross and gave his life for the sheep. That's exactly what he did. But he that is a hireling, now what's a hireling? Well, if you hire somebody, they're doing it for money. They're doing it for the money. But he that is in an hireling and not the shepherd. So see, these aren't even shepherds. These aren't shepherds. We're not dealing... When I talk, when I talked about Jeremiah 23, 1-4 through 4, where it says we'll be unto the pastors, they may have pastor as a title, but they're not a shepherd. No. They're hireling. You can have the title pastor or whatever you want to have, black robe devil or priest or father. Oh, the Bible says call no man father except your Father in Heaven. Well, how do they justify that? Well, they don't read the Bible. And they got a perverted one to boot. So, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. That's pretty much an example for any shepherd out there. I'm sorry. Is the pastor willing to give his life for his sheep? If he's a hireling, no. In fact, it's so opposite of that. He's not even willing to to give them the truth out of the Bible. I mean... For the most part, he's not even willing to give him that. Just because it might be a little bit less pay you may make. Do you think that if he would do that and sell out just for just for a little bit of money, that he'd lay down his life for you? <laughs> Please, give me a break. That's never gonna happen. But he that isn't hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, whose own the sheep are not. But he that is a an hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not. Seeth the wolf coming. Now, the, the, the hireling sees the wolf coming. He sees him. But what happens then? And leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is not hireling. That's why it flees. So see, the hireling can even see the wolf coming. But, he's not going to warn the sheep. He's going to leave the sheep. And he's going to flee, like a little girl with his tail between his legs. And the wolf catches them. And what does the wolf do then? He scatters them. Scatters the sheep. Didn't we just talk up here about the sheep being scattered in Jeremiah? That's why I like this this verse that Jesus is. This is a direct quote from Jesus. And there's a lot of parallels between the two verses here. So the wolf catches them. Scatter and scattereth the sheep, the hireling fleeth. Why? Because he is not hireling. He was doing it for money. His heart wasn't in it. He wasn't going to lay down his life for anybody. Please, give me a break. And and he careth not for the sheep. That's why he fleed, because he, he cared not for the sheep. That's what hirelings do. <laughs> now, Let me ask you a question. If if we're in this day and time and age in in America where pastors are at the head of these churches, the churches aren't even biblical, 99.999% of these churches are not biblical, 99.9999% are all 501c3, I would say, my word, what, what percentage would be King James only? 2 to 3? If that, that's probably maybe 1%, maybe. Show me how many King James Only churches are in your area. Huh. Show me how many King James churches that are not 501 C3 are in your area. I can't name one. I can name one in the state of Florida that I know of for sure. One. Well, this one, yeah, but I'm I'm I'm, I'm talking a person that actually calls himself a church and, and, and they actually meet in, in some type of... Of course, I shouldn't elevate that above what we're doing here either, but I'm just saying, if you looked in your phone book, we're not going to be in a phone book. okay? I know one in the state of Florida, Pastor Slattery in, in Bellevue. Um, I, I'll be honest, I can't pick up one. Now, there may be, there may be, but I don't know one. I mean, Dr. Dixon's church may be, but I don't know. Well, that's a pretty sad state of affairs then if, if that's the case then you know <laughs> these people have they're sold out they've just sold out from the get-go they were always sold out they were they were taught wrong they were they were brought up wrong they they, they this is how they were taught in, in the cemeteries and they were ruined acts 20 28 through 29 acts 20 28 through 29 Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Okay, so here we go again, with another verse that talks about this, this concept here. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, and to all the flock. Okay, we were talking about flocks, and sheep, and these types of things. Over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Now, this is in reference to, like, bishops, and pastors, and things of this nature. Okay? Now the, the Bible says the Holy Ghost makes these men overseers. But how many men? How many of these men have left their duty? How many of these men are derelict? Or should I say? Oh, hold on, I gotta be correct now. How many of these women? You know, because you know we got women pastors now, so that that's okay too. Everything goes in today's day and age. So um, it says, take heed. This means pay attention. Now, the Bible says that, that the Holy Ghost is the one that has made these men overseers over their flocks. Holy Ghost did it. I mean, if the Holy Ghost isn't doing it through you, then what, what, whatever is being done is not of God. It's, it's being perverted. It's being done under man's strength. That's how churches are being built today. They're not being built by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. They're not. Well, no, no, you don't understand. I heard a voice from God. God told me to do You know how many times I've heard that? So, okay, let me let me ask you, okay, so God told you to do this, and it totally contradicts Scripture. Okay. God told you. And if God told you that, why did he... The Bible, Jesus says you, you ignore the, the, the weightier matters. You strain at gnats and swallow camels. You're telling me God's going to tell you something... About this, but yet he's going to not even reveal to you things that are much more important, like what is the word of God, like what's your foundation as a church, like you know a lot of. But yet he's going to tell you that it, it doesn't see to me. It doesn't add up. I've always thought this over the years. Why would God reveal, supposedly, this thing to a person and then just totally keep him in the dark about all this other stuff that that is actually more foundational to the faith? It's just kind of weird to me. I've looked at I've 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 grown I haven't grown up but for the last 13 years since I've been saved I've looked at that and I thought how you know they've had this their whole life why couldn't they figure this out they've had they've had triple the time I've had or quadruple and they've still never figured this out it doesn't make sense to me I don't think it makes me better but it's just I look at it and it's like I figured it out in 13 years. They have the same access, I hate to say it, but to the internet. That's where I learned a lot of this stuff. That's where I ended up getting a lot of this information. Oh, the internet's all evil, devil. Well, you know something? The internet's like money. It takes on the personality of the user or the possessor. And you can use the internet for evil, which is what it's mostly being used for, I admit it. Or you can use it for good as far as research goes and as far as getting truth out. Let me tell you something. In Nazi Germany, they didn't have the internet. And if we didn't have the internet, I believe, and, and, and I mean, I'm, I know God's up there and his prevenient hands are holding things back, but if the internet wasn't around and we had no access to get true information, there's a, there's a I think there's a pretty good chance we would have wound up, I think there's a pretty good chance we would have wound up where Nazi Germany was at already. We would have already been there. Because see, the problem is, is, the people of Nazi Germany, I've studied that thing a lot, well, how could these people get so deceived? Well, they were only getting one side of the story all the time. They didn't have any other media outlets. At the time. Everything was being suppressed. Everything. At least, at least, we can go up and, and try to get some truth. If you do online research and things of this nature, and it's not just America, it's a lot of other countries weighing in that you can go and see their websites and they're saying, listen, this is what's going on in America, or this and that. And you can go up there and, and I believe you can get some objective um some objective news reports. Now, you cannot, if all you have to go by is you're reading your paper, and you're turning on the nightly news, and you're and you're listening to the radio, well then, yeah, you're going to be a program brainwashed slave, period. But, if you break out of that mold and realize to yourself that Big Brother's not here to help you, that we are moving into the one world government, the one world political system, the one world religious system, well then... You're going to open your eyes and you're going to say, well, listen, there's some things I need to be looking for. Where is the truth? And the Internet, for me, has been a tremendous way to garner that truth and to get it out, to, to, to package it and get it back out. Now, whether they want to do anything with it or not, I don't, that's up to them. And I believe there's going to come a day for me where I'm going to walk away from that computer and I'm going to be okay with it. I'm not going to be freaked out. Oh, I can't get on the Internet. But there's going to be a day, I really do believe... God's going to call me to walk away from that thing. To be honest with you, I'm really looking forward to it. I really am. I'm looking forward to being able to walk away from the thing and say, okay, I believe I've, I've warned, I've, I've exhorted, I've done what I could do to try to warn people. And, and if if they don't want to heed and they want to just stay and do what they're going to do, fine. But I've warned them, their blood's off my hands. From Ezekiel 3 and 33 where it says, you know, if the watchman... Um, we're not the people in the city, then his blood ought to require your hands. Well, I believe that's the position God's put me in, is to be a watchman. Um, I don't see very many ministries at all doing that work whatsoever. And if they do it, they only do it to a very small degree. Because if they get too big, they're going to get too unpopular and they're going to come under too much scrutiny. And since they're already in, a system where the government can say you can't say that because that's what happens if you're a 501c3 church. They can tell you what you can and you cannot preach. They cannot tell me that. I am not a part of that system. What I do is I don't have any, I don't even have a website anymore. Did you know that? My website got taken off. The, my, my wonderful providers just decided to leave and, and my website's gone. Oh, fine. Whatever. they ain't going to stop me. I relay information. But because I don't have a big... Quote, so-called ministry, which is fine with me, I'm in some ways less of a target. Because I'm not out there having to have some big website and try to preserve it and do this and that and, 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 and have all these things on the line where I'm going to lose all the support. I have, I have, I have no support off the internet. I don't, I don't have people sending me money or anything like None. Not a zero. So I have no monetary motivation. I'm just doing it because I do not want to see these people destroyed for lack of knowledge. I, I want, um, and I believe God's shown this stuff to me, and I have a responsibility. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. So if I sit here and hoard the information and live in fear, I'm going to have to answer to God after it's all said and done. If I give it out, and don't worry about the consequences, and, 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 and just trust that God's going to protect me, because I probably should have been dead a long time ago. That 14-city tour that I did, those people were coming up to me on the tour, and they're like... They're, I mean, they were amazed I was even alive because of some of the stuff I said during the tour. You know, it was pretty heavy duty. And um, I was just like, well, God's going to protect me. And if I die a martyr's death, if someone puts a bullet in my head, well, then that's not a bad way to go if you think about it. It's a lot better than a lot of other ways you could go. <laughs> so, now granted, I don't want that for Taylor's sake. But I'm just saying, I mean, if that's what would happen to me, um, and that's the Lord's will, then that's the Lord's will. So, it says, then, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, and to all the flock, over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So this is Jesus Christ purchased this church with his own blood. So it's pretty important to him if he, if he purchased it with his own blood. For For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Well, that's what we've got today. Grievous wolves at almost every pulpit in America. Not sparing the flock. Who do they end up hurting most of all? Well, they're hirelings. They're wolves that are hirelings. So we can classify them And many... They're wolf. They're hireling. Okay? Um... They scatter the flock. They destroy the flock. Um, they spare not the flock. These are things that we are earmarks. And if you think about it, you know that's what happens. Now, what what does it make you then, if you're sitting in a church and you have a wolf in the you have a wolf in the pulpit, which is the norm, the norm in America, but you're not scattered. Well, this couldn't apply to me. I haven't been scattered. I'm still here. You're part of them. You're part of them. You're in so deep you don't even know it. You're not. You're not a sheep. Oh yes, I am. Oh no, you're not. How could you sit there week after week, with the Holy Ghost living inside you, and not have your conscience pricked about any of this stuff? Has your conscience been seared with a hot iron? Hmm. Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, ooh, could that mean now? Yes, it sure does. That in the latter times, some shall sort depart of from the faith. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Pretty much, yeah, that's the position you're in. You need to get saved. You need to get saved, first off. But I think there's a lot less likelihood that a person that's that's grown up or been in this environment is ever going to get saved. I think they've had their chance. I really do. I think somewhere along the line, God gave them a chance. It's highly unlikely to me that these people are going to get saved. I think there's more likelihood of an of unsaved person who's never heard the gospel, them getting saved, than there is somebody that's warmed a church pew for their whole life. And thinks that they're morally upright and and there's nothing really wrong with me and this type of thing. I think there's more chance than the other getting saved. Because the Bible says the Spirit of God will not always strive with man forever. He's not going to just give you unlimited options and unlimited times to get saved. It's just not going to happen. That's my opinion, but I think Scripture bears it out. Um, It says that grievous wolves are going to enter, not sparing the flock. Well, it's crazy, because nowadays, the grievous wolves are the norm. (laughs) They're the norm in the pulpit, and in the deacons, you know? They don't see themselves as that way, I'm sure they don't. They they Maybe they, in their own mind, have justified themselves, well, I'm a man of God. Well, we'll see when times get bad, if you're this man of God. And not only that, that doesn't even matter. They've already denied the faith. They've, already, they've denied the faith when times were good. Can you imagine how bad it's going to be when times are bad? Well, you know, they would have denied the faith just for a little bit of money. Because they're hirelings. Well, if they do it in that circumstance when things are good, can you imagine what this place is going to be like when it's bad? Oh, they've already had that thing. Um, Homeland Security's already had those meetings with, um, guess what, 501c3 churches. In fact, I had a first-hand account of one of the pastors that was there. And they said that they're going to use, they're going to turn these churches and they're going to use them as basically like New World Order brainwashing centers. They're going to, they're going to use them for, uh, uh, headquarters for vaccinations, forced vaccinations. These, t- But see, what's going to happen is, is it's at a church, so your defenses are going to come down. And they're going to use the pastors who they control anyway because they're government corporate entities. They're corporations, 501c3 corporation. They're going to use them. In this, it's perfectly set up already. It's perfectly, I mean, granted, they've still got a little ways to go, I think, before they've got it perfected. But it's very, very close. That's who they're going to use. Those types of of individuals. So, you know, their true colors are are really going to show, and I think they already have shown, if you have any kind of biblical discernment, but they're going to even show more so in the future when things get bad in this country. Matthew 7:15 through16 Matthew 7:15 through16 says, "Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing." Okay, now we're in reference to a false prophet that comes to you as a sheep and again, now we just talked about uh, wolves, you know there, then there's the, the talk about wolves entering and, and, and that they, they can come in sheep's clothing as well. And then we could just we could almost uh, swap that out. We beware of wolves which come to you in sheep's clothing. And here it says beware of false prophets, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. So that's what these false prophets are. Ye shall know them by their fruits. By their fruits, what are they preaching in the pulpit? That's the I mean, granted, how they live in their life. What are they doing? What are they preaching in the pulpit? Are they giving you the whole counsel of God? Are they using the right Bible? Are they telling you that it's wrong to to, to be under this governmental heading as a church? Are they doing... Show Show me churches that are doing that today. How many in America are? I don't think there's hardly any. Unless there are some home churches like we are. Um, and I know there's, there's there's some, but there's not very many. I mean, the, the, the crazy thing about it is, is that any churches that would be doing that would be considered the most radical, radical, radical. And, and I've been around these people, and I, I just think it's the way we should be. Now, granted, if they're radical in the wrong direction, then that's wrong. But I don't see it as being radical. I see it as being biblical. Whatever. You know, so you should know them by the fruits. If is if he, that's what I. That's why we are called to be a fruit inspector. Oh no, judge not lest ye be judged. No, that was hypocritical judgment. That was in reference to a man who had a beam in his own eye. He was trying to cast the speck out of his brother's. That was the. That was the. Um. That was the. Uh, what's the word I'm searching for here? That was the context of the verse that you apply that to. The Bible says, He was spiritual, judgeth all things. And Jesus said, judge righteous judgment. So we are supposed to judge, but we're supposed to judge after we've removed the beam out of our own eye. <laughs> so we can see the speck in our brother. Okay, so that's the deal. Um, you, you do it in that order. That's hypocritical judgment. When you judge, and you have a beam in your own eye, and there's a speck in your brother, That's hypocritical. That's the typical type of judgment you would get today. That's like this guy got in the argument with this week on the thing, where he said Scripture proves nothing, and that man's opinion is better and more, and scientific evidence—the Bible could never bear up under the scrutiny of scientific evidence. Well, then your science is wrong. You know, all he gave me was this opinion, and he did nothing to refute. I, I told him, I said, I want to see a point-by-point refutation. I want you to refute every single Bible verse that I used, which there was, uh, of course, it wasn't me; it was the other guy that did the article. It must have been 50, 60, 70. He didn't refute one. One. All of God your opinion then. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Second Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. For such are false apostles. Now this is in reference to, you know, these, these wolves, these, these hirelings. For such are false, um, false apostles. But well, we got a lot of that today. Second Corinthians eleven, thirteen through fifteen. False apostles. You know how many guys are going around today saying they're apostles? They're apostles? Okay. Whatever. You're an apostle. Well, if you were really an apostle, why aren't you doing all the miracles that the apostles did? Huh? Why aren't you doing all that? I mean, if you really are that, I think you should have the fruits of the of that particular uh, ministry, that office. They're false apostles, deceitful work. I've, I, I've heard that. Oh, I'm an apostle. That, oh, come on, man, give me a break. I, all I got to know is that to know that you're chasing fly balls in left field. You know what's crazy? This is what I was boiling back to. I'm thinking, okay, so God made you an apostle, and you're not even doing the works or the miracles of an apostle. You're not even doing that. Here, here's the thing of poison. Drink her down, buddy. Come on, chug her. No, they can't do that. Oh, oh, oh I can't, no, I can't lay hands on the sick and heal. Oh, you know, when I, my, my shadow passes over another person that doesn't heal them, you know, I, I, you know, yeah, I, I can't bless handkerchiefs and take them to somebody and they get healed. Of course, Benny Hinn can, because if you order order for 1995, you'll you'll receive a free Hulk Hogan commemorative beer koozie and your own healing. No, they can't do any of that. No, no, but they're apostles. They're apostles. Okay, man, I I hear you. And yet God made you an apostle, but he didn't show you what the word of God is. He never showed you that. Kept you in the dark about that. He didn't show you how corrupt it is to, to become a government entity. In the church. He didn't show you anything about Christian rock or this whole thing with that, the praise and worship thing. He didn't show you the apostles that was going on, but you're an apostle. Yeah. Why don't we ever preach anything about sea monsters or Amish people? Well, that's coming. Can that come next week? No, I don't know. You never know. Taylor, we don't have a lot of interaction with Amish people and sea monsters, so it's not something that I want to devote a lot of time to. So anyway, um, so for such a false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. So see, that's what they try to do. They try to transform themselves into apostles of Christ. And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. It's no big shake for Satan. He could do that. They shape shift all the time. See, this is an attribute of somebody that's of the devil. They are shapeshifters. And I don't mean that literally, they're shapeshifters. Of course, I think if you're high enough in the occult, I know witches can do it. They're high enough in there. I've heard many, many accounts of witches that actually are old hags and can transform themselves to to the image of a... Now, that's witchcraft. Now, if you sell your soul enough to the devil... And he could transform himself into an angel. It's no marvel if his ministers could transform themselves into an, into an angel. It says, therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed into ministers of righteousness. Well, they're really not true ministers of righteousness, but they appear that way. Oh, he's so godly. Oh, yes. Look at Cardinal so-and-so. Yes, and he's a pedophile behind closed doors. Isn't that great? That, you know, that doesn't compute to me. you got to be... You gotta be so far gone to get into that stuff. I mean, I, I, I believe if there was any group of people on the planet that just need to be wiped out and exterminated, I would have to put the pedophiles at the top of the list. Oh, that's not nice. Well, all I'm thinking is, is, is it possible for them to get saved? Have they? That's hard for me to understand how a pedophile could get redeemed. I'm not saying there's not a pedophile that's never been redeemed, but I, that's, a, that's, a, that's a stretch. I guarantee you, there's not too many. Okay? They sure aren't doing any good service on this earth. And if they're going to continue to be pedophiles and violate little children, and that's what they're going to do, and that's what they're going to do, and they're going to continue to do that to the day they die. God knows that. He, knows, he can look at their life and say, they started here as a pedophile, they're going to end up here and they're going to go to hell. I pray God remove them before that time so that they can't violate more children. And you know what I pray? Do it in such a way that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God. But God shall shoot them with an arrow. Psalm 64. But God shall shoot them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded, so they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away and shall declare the work of God. The righteous shall be glad, and the Lord shall trust in Him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. That's my goal. That's why I would like to see these people eliminated. Not because I want to see them go to hell, or because I hate them, or whatever. Of course, I'm not real fond of them, but it would be better if God started dealing, and I'm not saying, I'm not indicting God or mad at God, but it would be better for God to deal with these people in this life, and for their lives to be cut short, that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, than for these people to go on in their sin, and continue to violate little ones, And I'm not just talking about pedophiles. But I'm saying that's the most extreme example I could think of. You know, what would be better? Well, let them live. Let them violate the the, the little children and and defile them. And let them have their life of pleasure in this life so that they can burn in hell in the next? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I I really believe the time is going to come that that's going to start happening. And I praise God that it's going to. Because it needs to start happening. There's no fear of God. Well, what would that promote in society? Fear of God? All men would see in fear. And fear. Who would they fear? They'd fear God. Because God's the one that shot at them with an arrow. And then they would wisely consider this doing. Maybe some of these... You know what would happen? Some would get saved. People that wouldn't normally have gotten saved because they would have just continued living their life like the devil because they would have never had no reason to fear God. They'd get saved. Some would get saved. Just like when when Ananias and Sapphira were struck down, many feared, and many were greatly added to. It was all positive. But see, we don't think in the way God. See, Bible. The Bible says God's ways are not our ways. We don't think the way He thinks. But see, this Bible gives us a glimpse into the way He thinks. That's why I try to look at this the way He's looking at it. I'm thinking, yeah, that makes a lot of sense if you start thinking about it. But in the but in the in the flesh. In the worldliness, or whatever, if you were like that, you're like, oh no, that, that, that can't be of God. He's a God of love, and he would never... Oh, give me a break, man. He's also a God of judgment. He's not going to tolerate what's going on here much longer. He can't. He's holy, he's righteous. It would be better for him to start dealing with people, and them go to heaven and get right with God before they die, than them live like the devil up until the time they plunge into hell and burn for eternity. What's more merciful? The other's a lot more merciful, I think. So, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. It is therefore no great thing if his ministers also be transformed. It's no great thing. People are like, oh no, this couldn't ever be. These, there's, oh, this is too hocus pocus, this is too whatever. It says it's no marvel. It's no, no great thing that his ministers be transformed into ministers of righteousness. Whose end shall be according to their works. You wanna to get to wherever you're going based on your works. God will let you have it that way. He'll let you have it your way. Oh, I'm a very good Hindu. Oh golly, golly, golly. Oh, I do good things. Oh, I do this, and I do this, oh golly, golly, golly. You know, you know something, dude? You are gonna get wherever you're gonna get. Oh, I'm going to Nirvana. Oh, don't you know? Oh, we'll go, we'll go together. No. Dude, it's not gonna work that way. You're going to get wherever you're going to get based on what you did with Jesus Christ. Now, if you rejected the Son of God and His free gift and His shed blood on the cross and His death, and resurrection and that He's seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty right now, ever making intercession for the saints which you could have that intercession if you got saved. If you reject that and you say, well, I'm basically a good Catholic and I'm basically a good this or that God will let you have it that way. He'll let you get to wherever you're going to get by your own good works. By your own works, whether they're good or bad. I mean, you can live a morally upright life. You plunge straight into hell. (laughs) So, God will let you have it your way. He's not going to kick the door down to your heart, as Melvin Sisson says. Whose end shall be according to their works. Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren. Now people would say, well, you should. Who? What right do you have to mark these men of God? Remember, well, when they're not men of God, they're hirelings, the wolves in sheep clothing. Period. It says, "I beseech you." Beseeching means he's imploring you. He's 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 not begging, but he's strongly urging you. I now I beseech you, brethren, Romans sixteen verse seventeen and eighteen. Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. Well, that's contrary to the word of God. Well, we're supposed to mark them and avoid them. Well, that's what we're doing here. Well, that's five. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. When they say their own belly, it's their own carnal desires, their own, you know, flesh. They don't serve the Lord Jesus Christ. What are they doing? They're causing division and offenses. To what? Contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. Well, that's what the, all these wolves in sheep's clothing are doing. Um, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. That's how they do it. They do it by good words and fair speeches. Oh, Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. So, They would say, well, how can anybody pull this off? They're very good with words and fair speeches. Oh, he's a man of God. Look at him. You know something? If he is not giving you the truth, I mean, if he's not giving you all that, there's a good high high likelihood, based on the fact that if his ministers are transformed into ministers of righteousness, that appear to be ministers of righteousness, and if these are wolves in sheep's clothing, and if they are hirelings, which we know them to be, well, then they can't be saved. How could they be saved and be both? They couldn't be. Well, then who's the one that's speaking through them? How could it be the Holy Spirit? Doctrines of devils seducing spirits? Hmm. I don't know. Wolves in sheep's clothing? What, Taylor? Yes, Taylor, there is. And Job talks about Leviathan and Behemoth. Leviathan is is the prince over the children of pride, it says. Anyway, we could do a whole study on that. But anyway. All right, Taylor, I'll do a study on Leviathan, all right? We'll do a study on Leviathan. Job. Yeah, it would be cool. I have a problem with that. Um, and then I could tie it in with Sigmund and the Sea Monster. Remember that miniseries when we were kids? I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Sigmund and the Sea Monster? Yeah. Just kidding, teasing, a little humor there. So I, Taylor, I don't got the book chapter verse memories so where it talks about Leviathan. Okay, later, okay? So, um, Anyway, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 2.15, 1 Corinthians 2.15, He that is spiritual judgeth all things. Um, Chuck, I'm not going to read this whole article, but Chuck Baldwin goes on to say, For the life of me, it is difficult, even exasperating, to understand how my fellow Christian ministers can excuse and condone the un-American and un-Christian actions and policies of modern politicians. Now, the thing is, though, I don't think Chuck Baldwin has any kind of stand on the King James Bible, or 501c3 churches. That's okay. In fact, the man that wrote the um, you know the Last Trumpet newsletter that that I always quote. In fact, I got one for this week too. I I took him off my email list because he, I was uh, sick of hearing all the cracks about these people that don't pay their taxes. He's he's judged a matter before he's heard it. Let him refute freedom to fascism, the movie, or or all the other information I could give him. So see, a lot of these preachers, even the cream of the crop at the very, very top, they still don't have a comprehension of a lot of the foundational core issues. They have just been so indoctrinated into it, they don't even think about it. They don't think about the fact that maybe the whole system and premise of preaching in, in, in the churches in America is totally flawed. They look to say, oh, well, they're doing all these things that are bad. How could it be this way? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The foundations were destroyed the moment they took that 501c3 status. The moment they got away from the word of God. It was all downhill. It had to be destroyed. It had to be the natural byproduct. But see, that's not discussed in these things. So he says... For the life of me, it's difficult, even exasperating, to understand how my fellow Christian ministers can excuse and condone the un-American and un-Christian actions and policies of modern politicians. What in the world is going on? Well, if you're part of the system, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Are they blind to what's happening, or do they just not care? It's truly frustrating. For example, I received a letter from a trusted friend whose name I will not divulge. Now, I've already confirmed this information here. This was already on World Daily Net with Joseph Farah. He said, who told me a private conversation he had with a notable Christian conservative leader, whose name shall also be withheld. During the conversation, my friend asked the esteemed Christian leader what he thought of the Council of Foreign Relations, this esteemed Christian leader in America. To my friend's dismay, the popular Christian leader said that he knew nothing about the CFR. What's that? They're willingly ignorant, as the Bible says. They're willingly ignorant. The CFR is the Council of Foreign Relations. It's one of the most wickedest one world, new world order, moving organizations on the planet. Is it really possible that the exalted, preeminent Christian... Please, exalted, preeminent? He that is highly esteemed among man is an abomination in the sight of God. That's what Jesus said. Oh, well, maybe they're not so highly esteemed. Is it really possible that the exalted, preeminent Christian leaders in America... That's why I, I read this with a little bit of trepidation, like... You know, this guy doesn't have a clue either in a lot of things, but at least he's saying something. You know. They know nothing about these sinister organizations such as the CFR. What else are they ignorant of? Have Christian leaders and ministers not read of Jerome Corsi's investigative reports regarding the North American Union? Now in Jerome Corsi on the the, um, the the tour that I did for the Prophecy Club, he was there the next month after me he's the guy that did the i think the tour one or two months later he was so um, angry and taken back by the way that the speakers were treated because of how they run you around and how they just... I mean they run you in the ground I mean it's unbelievable what you got to do you're on a different plane every day you got no breaks you you go I mean I went I went 13 nights straight on a different city every night it was brutal I mean it was Unlike anything I had ever been through. Now, most of these guys, they, they didn't do that. They do like 10 cities. They can't. He dropped out at the ninth city in Cleveland. He just, he he walked out after this. He says, I'm out of here. I can't do this. This is ridiculous the way they've treated me. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> so, I, I knew it wasn't just me then when I heard that. Because I couldn't believe, I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm a pretty young guy. I'm like thinking, how are these older guys doing this? You know? Uh, You know, you got all your bags and the airports and they're putting you all through Oh, man, it was unbelievable. Well, Jerome Corsi had an investigative report regarding the North American Union. Now, this is where we're going to have Canada, Mexico, and the United States as one nation. Okay? We're going to have a new currency called the Amero, like the dinero, the Mexican dinero. Well, we're gonna we're gonna amalgamate it all into one currency. We're gonna have a different flag too. Did you know that? I've seen this flag. It's a combination of the Canadian flag, the American flag, and the Mexican flag. Each part there's one third of each on the flag. No lie, it's coming. North American Union. We're gonna have one big happy, stinking apostate family. Canada, Mexico, and America in the middle is like a big sandwich. It's coming. Have you have they ever read Representative Ron Paul or former Congressman Bob Barr's reports regarding the dangers of the U.S. Patriot Act? Have they never questioned the official explanation of the 9-11 attacks? Have they never wondered what happened to the oil wells in Iraq? Have they not bothered to watch Aaron Russo's Freedom to Fascism film? Well, that's the one we watched. Okay. No, they haven't, Pastor. They haven't done any of that. Because they're hirelings. And they have no love for the flock. They have no care. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. Are today's Christian leaders really that ignorant? Is this ultra modern technologically advanced information age? How can Christian ministers be that uninformed? Exactly. My point exactly. You could say that this all this technology is a curse, but again, it's like it's like money. It takes on the personality of the possessor. You can use it to do good if you're getting out truth. But you can also use it for evil if you're sending pornography out or whatever you're doing. So it's it's a double edged sword, okay? We can't be so dogmatic. Uh, about that, at least, I mean, there's certain things. Yeah, you should be very dogmatic about. Is it possible that our illustrious Christian leaders have become so trusting, so gullible, that they choose to know what they're told by mainstream media or political campaign offices? If so, these same Christian leaders uh, will be as will they be as trusting of the next House Speaker, speaker Nancy Pelosi? I don't, I don't buy in any of this part because I don't want to give them that much credit. And I don't believe there's a dime's worth of difference between a Democrat and a Republican. It's all two sides of the same wicked coin, all moving us to the same. Oh, look at Born Again Christian Bush, Mr. Republican boy. Give me a break. So, you know, I don't. I don't give. I don't give these these so called preachers this much credit. Um, I don't know if there's anything more even going into on this. I, I just. I just personally think they're without excuse. I just, I just personally think they're totally without excuse, and in, in they're willingly ignorant. They've chosen because they—they're they, they're in too deep. They're win way too—they know that if they start preaching about all the stuff in the government, they can't do that as a five hundred one C three corporation. They can be shut down. Oh, I'll lose everything. I'll lose my ministry. I've already lost my backbone a long time ago, and now I'll lose my ministry. Oh me! Oh, I might pee myself. I don't know what will happen to my ministry. I've built this. I look what I've built. I'll lose it all. I'll lose my reputation, my family, my friends. My wife will probably divorce me because the money won't be coming in anymore. Oh, boy. I'll be ostracized for my brethren. Oh, it's terrible. Give me a break, man. Your life's not a popularity contest. You know, it's not even bad now. That's the thing about it. It's not even bad. Can you imagine when it gets bad? Oh, you talk about lily-livered, backboneless, wimps. And they don't, and a lot of times I come across as these very strong, macho, or whatever. Give me a break. I don't know, I just, I don't have any, <laughs> I just can't really have a whole lot of pity on any of them. They're, they're without excuse as far as I'm concerned. First Timothy four, one through two. First Timothy four, one through two says, Oh, we just read this, I'm sorry. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having no conscience sealed with a hot iron. First Samuel fifteen 1 Samuel fifteen twenty-three says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected what? The word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. That's the whole deal. It doesn't matter what my opinion is or what anybody else's opinion is. All that really matters is what does the word of the Lord say? When you reject it, you you yourself will be rejected. The Bible says, in Proverbs 13, 13. Double 13. Whoso, now, what's Proverbs? The book of where we get a lot of wisdom and these types of things. So the book of wisdom, here, that was written by the wisest man that ever existed, save Jesus. Of course, he wasn't too wise at the end. Solomon. He said in Proverbs thirteen thirteen, Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. Whoso despises the word. What if you say, well, um, I don't think Jesus is really the son of God. Uh, I, I think there's many ways to heaven. I'm going to put it on hold. I'm, I, yeah, he's, he probably is who he says he is, but I'm going to wait until the end because I want to live like the devil the rest of my life. Well, okay, you've just despised the word. Not only have you despised the written word, you've despised the incarnate word. Because the Bible says the Word was made flesh and dwelt among men. in the beginning was the word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. the same in the beginning was God. all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. He was the Word. okay so you got to be real careful if you're despising see a lot of my uh, what I try to do is center everything around the Word of God so that if you have a problem with me, I'm a little bit smart, I try to be a little bit smart in the way I do things, because if you have a problem with me, I want, you know what I really want it to be a problem with? I really want it to be a problem with the Word of God. See, when I came back and I said to that man about um, this Hallelujah Diet thing, I told him at the end, I said, Truly, this argument is not with me. It's with the Word of God. It's with clear scripture. Now, he's basically stated, scripture proves nothing, and that man's opinion is better, and that it doesn't hold up against scientific scrutiny. Fine, that's your opinion. But we can't have any kind of intelligent debate because you're arguing from a totally different premise. Your reality, your your perverted <coughs> presupposed reality is totally different and totally contrary to the word of God. How can we have any kind of, of, of debate? You're arguing apples, I'm arguing oranges. We're in totally two different levels. You can't and, and never will they meet. They're they're not we're never going to see eye to eye, that's what I told them. So, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, that's the that's the absolute total foundation of everything. Zephaniah two one through three, Zephaniah two one through three. Gather yourselves together, ye gather together, O nation not desired. <clears throat> before the decree, bring forth. Before the day pass, as chaff, chaff. Before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you. Before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you. O nation not desired. <laughs> Sounds like us. O nation not desired. Before the day passes ship. Before the fierce... Because that's what's coming. Fierce anger is coming upon this nation. The day of the Lord's anger is going to come upon this nation. The Bible says judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. It's going to happen. Seek ye the Lord, then it says, seek ye the Lord. Who? All ye meek of the earth. All ye meek, which have wrought his judgment. Well, I thought meek were just wimps. No, actually, meek aren't wimps. The Bible says Moses was the meekest man on earth. Why do you think God chose him? Ah, oh, well, he was just some chosen, but he had a bad temper. I don't care, you can still be meek and have a bad temper. I mean, I'm sorry, but you can. In fact, a lot of people that have bad, bad tempers can be more meek because meek is somebody who can humble themselves. And I mean, they can humble themselves before Lord or other people. And, and it, just because they have a bad temper or a bad character flaw like that doesn't mean that they can't still be meek. It doesn't mean that they go around like a brawling person, you know, all the time. Yeah, that's right, Jesus Christ got angry. Um all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment, wrought his judgment? While they have brought forth his judgment. They have they have tried to, I believe, the meek will actually try to, to let other people know that God's judgment's coming. It's coming. Oh, well, that doesn't sound real meek. Well, your your definition of meekness is perverted and warped. That's why. Your, best, your definition of meekness is an effeminate meekness where I'm just going to lay down and do whatever. God's is a, div- a different thing. It's, When you humble yourself before God, and you're meek before God, and you admit your fallen sin state, and you admit there's no possible way you could get to heaven saved apart from the Lord Jesus Christ and His shed blood, when you admit that, when you admit that I can do nothing apart from you, Lord, but that I can all do do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthened me, when you admit these things, you're humbling yourself before God, and you are appearing before God as meek. But that doesn't mean you go around and are are a wimp, and that you don't have any backbone, actually quite the contrary. Because if you do that before the Lord, chances are you'll be you'll you'll actually have a backbone to men because you fear God. You don't fear men, you fear God, you fear the person you should fear. You're meek before God, but that doesn't mean you're gonna just be go around being a wimp before men. Because why? Because you fear God. When you fear God, what does that do? It displaces the fear of man. You can't have the fear of God and the fear of man. One has to be preeminent in your life. It has to. You can't they can't just be equal. No. Most of the time, though, the reason that these, these preachers, part of the reason that they're hirelings and that they're ravening wolves or that they have no love for the sheep and that they scatter the flock is because their fear of man is way up here and their fear of God's way down here. All you make of the earth which have wrought his judgment. thats one of the, That's one of the signs of being meek. You rot his you 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 bring forth you 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 uh I think you tell people of the judgment that's coming. You don't you're not the you're not the instrument of judgment. Not to say God couldn't use you as that, but and I, I know there's biblical examples where he did do that with meek people, which have wrought his judgment, seek righteousness, seek meekness. Oh, how many sermons you hear in that? Oh, seek meekness, seek humility. It may be Hmm, it may be ye shall be hid in the days of the Lord's anger. That sounds pretty good to me. Real good. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger? Wow. Whoa. That's pretty neat. You know what Jesus said in the New Testament? I don't have the, the, I have pretty much a verse memorized, but I forget exactly what it says in the Gospels. He said, that pray that you may be accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon the earth. That's biblical. I'm sorry, that's biblical to pray that. But how are you going to pray that if you're a proud person and you're not meek and you're not right with God and you're not doing anything but leading other people astray? How are you going to? How is God going to honor that? Pray that you may be accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon the earth. Hmm. Here it says. Are you meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment, seek righteousness, seek meekness. Hmm. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Here it says to seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be, ye shall be hidden in the days of the Lord's anger. Praise the Lord. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. See, these other people, they're trusting in their earthly riches and these types of things, but there is... I mean, the Bible always says he preserves a remnant. Now, in America, I mean, the remnant's real teensy-tiny. Okay, it's got to be. I mean, everything's been so leavened that it's its a tough one. Um, but I do believe he's going to even have a small remnant in America. He's got to. He's going to have a remnant in it everywhere. Um... I mean, I'm not saying he's got to, but he he it's biblical that he does this. He he has always done it in the past. And if he's the same yesterday, today and forever, he's going to do it in the future. These are scriptural principles. So, this is one of those things where people would say, "Oh, what do we do? Oh, what do we do?" Well, okay, yeah, I think the prudent man foreseeeth the evil and hideth himself. I think there's a certain scriptural aspect to that, but don't do it out of so much out of fear of man. Um do it more because you're being prudent. Do it more because maybe you could be a blessing when times get bad. Or God could use you in that time because you have prepared. Consider the ant, thou sluggard, who prepares his meat in summer, then in winter he has harvest. Okay, so what does the ant do? He gathers up in summer, that when winter comes he's got, well, it said consider the ant, thou sluggard. So there's, there's, we need to have a balance here, okay? Between that and, and where, where Jesus said, um, they that seek to save their life shall lose it, but they that seeks to lose their life for my sake shall find it under life eternal. Now, when you look at the word life there, they that seeks to save his life, now, you think, well, you're just thinking physical. I'm not, I don't think that's the context of that verse. I think that life is, is your lifestyle. They that seeks to save his life shall lose it. Well, how, why would you say that? Well, because Jesus, Peter lured himself over the, the, the city wall in a basket, and, I mean, there were many times the apostles fleed. Jesus, even, that one time they were all trying to kill me, walked right through was It wasn't his appointed time. Okay, so you can't tell me the apostles always ran to death. Yes, most of them all ended up dying, save, I think, John, who probably died on the Isle of Patmos, but he still gave his life. The life that is in reference to there, if you look in the New Testament... Well, give me an example. Okay, when the rich man came up to Jesus, the, the, and he says, well, I've kept all these commandments since I've been a youth. Well, okay, Mr. Self-Righteous. Then he says the one thing where he knows he can nail him, Jesus does, and he says, go and sell all you have and give to the poor, and you shall have riches in heaven. Well, oh, he went away sad, it said. He wasn't willing to give up his life style. That's the biblical example. He that seeks to save his life. And in that manner, I believe it's more of a lifestyle. It's not being prudent about seeing the evil coming and saying, oh, I'm just going to kill me. Kill my family, too. How's that biblical? You know what I mean? If you're in charge of your family and you see the evil coming, you're like, ah, I'm going to take it like a man. They're all going to take it like a man. do I all going to die together. Well, okay, I'm not saying that there's certain times when that, that wouldn't be the case, but if you see it and you have the means to um, do something about it, whether it's preparing, whether it's whatever. I think you need to be prudent, we need to be reasonable here, okay, about these, these types of matters. So, I believe with the life, it's, it's in reference to that more than anything. I mean, are you, what are you willing to give up? Are, are you willing to, you know, do what Jesus said and do these types of things? I don't believe that with every single person, Jesus would require the exact same things for you to give up. It depends what's an idol in your life. See, for that rich man, his his idol, what he couldn't give up was the one very thing Jesus requested him to give up. Because he knew that was the one thing that he wouldn't give up. Jesus knew him because he created him, ultimately, and then that man made his own decisions in life. So, that's the problem. If there's one thing we're not willing to give up for Christ, most likely that's the very thing he's going to want to require of us. Because he's going to test us. The Bible says that anything that can be shaken will be shaken. And the judgment will begin in the house of the Lord. So I'm just warning you about these things, because in preparation for the times we may be going through, we may be required to give up things we don't want to give up in the flesh. But what matters is, is being biblical, and and doing what the Bible says to do. Um, The Bible says in Isaiah 66, um, uh, just verse 1, Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? Where is the place of my rest? Whoa, God, in America? I don't know where. I could say, God, I can offer you this living room here where we're at right now. You know? I guarantee you he can honor this place right now more than he could. 99.999% of all churches in America. Not because we're so holy, but because I believe a lot of the things that we're doing here are biblical. We're not trying to be fancy and have our corporate status And read our false perverted Bible and have our praise and worship rock and roll service. We're not trying to do any of that here. Okay? We're not not meeting here because we want to be popular, because we want to have a title, because we want to be looked upon in the community in a higher status. But actually, all the opposite is pretty much true of us meeting here. Okay? So our motivation isn't that. We're coming here to seek truth. And where's the place of my rest? For all these things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been. saith the Lord. See, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and all they that dwell therein. Hmm. Wow. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and all they that dwell therein. In his courts with praise, and into his gates with thanksgiving. Hmm. That's a good way to pray, too. Then it says, but to this man will I look. Well, that got my attention when I read that the first time. That got my attention. To this man will I look? Well, I just don't feel like I can get through to God. Oh, I I just, I don't know. I, I just, I can't get through to him. Well, see to the type of man he looks to then. even to him that is poor and a contrite spirit. Now, it's a poor and a contrite spirit. It's not necessarily poor person. Of course, Jesus did come to seek and save the lost, and and his heart is for widows and orphans and these types of things. And the reason that more poor people end up getting saved over rich men is because the poor have had that taken away. They don't have all the the riches to cloud their judgment and think. They don't have all the riches to fall back on and put their faith in. Because they don't have it to to fall back on. It's not there. That's why it's easier for them to get saved. And that's why the Bible says it's harder for a camel, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's what we just preached on last week. But this is who God is going to look to. To him it's a a poor and a contrite spirit. Now, in the the King James Bible, many times words will define themselves if they're in close proximity to one another. In fact, Gail Ripplinger has a whole book written on this called The Language of the King James Bible. Where she says, if you're having a hard time defining a word in the Bible, look around that word and see if there's another context upon which it was used in that immediate verse area. Well, poor and contrite are basically the same thing. What is contrite? humble, of a humble spirit. And trembleth at my word. What does that imply? Fear of God. That's why, that's why I keep coming back and harping on these issues over and over. Because the fear of God is always the thing that is that is to be... One of the highest, highest things that you could desire or to, to be is fear of God. And then what does the fear of God always do? Humble you. It's a byproduct. It's an absolute, total byproduct. If you have, that's why I said when I really, really boil it back, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear Him. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. All these verses of blessings connected with the fear of God—it's never preached on hardly ever—and yet, if you tremble at His word, that's the fear of God. Now, I think we've all can relate to that, and uh, of course, if you read the perverted Bible, you might not be. If we just had one attribute in the church today, just one, that I believe would take care of so many other things, if we just had fear of God, do you know how much better... If we, I mean, if I had just had one, word, one wish for the modern-day apostate church, it would be that the fear of God would, would rest on them like a thick cloud. I pray that a lot, that exact same thing. If that were the case... Do you realize how many problems would just get straightened out overnight? How many things that seem... I've heard of churches splitting over the color carpets and that the organs on one side and they want it one half... I've heard churches splitting over stupid, idiotic issues like that. Do you know how seemingly pointless and stupid and infantile and trivial those would all become if the fear of God would rest on our churches like a thick cloud? I pray for that for the churches. That's our only hope. That's their only hope. It's the only hope for churches in America is for that to happen. I believe you have to really have that. It's it's clear here. Um, Now, and then it says, it goes down to verse 4. And it says, "I I will choose their delusions. God says that. Not me. God. He said, I will choose their delusions. Now, what it talks about in verse 3. This is a, Verse 3 is a hard verse. I haven't even fully figured verse 3 out. Okay, but we'll just go ahead and read it. Because that's, the, that's the, the pretext to this verse, where he says, I will choose their delusions. He that killeth an ox is as if he slew a man. He that sacrificed a lamb as if he cut off a dog's neck. He that offereth an oblation as if he offered swine's blood. He that burneth incense as if he had an idol. Now, I guess this is a contrast between out and out witchcraft idolatry and, and perverting judgment. I believe it's pervert. It, he that thinks he's actually doing God's service is actually doing the devil's service. But he, in his own mind, he's convinced that he's doing... he's doing God's service. That's why the Bible says in Jeremiah 7 and in, in, in those verses where it says that... We're delivered to do these things. We're so good and we're so spiritual that we can do these things in First Corinthians chapter five, where it talks about the man that had taken his father's wife to wed. We're so it says you glory in you glory in your shame. That's what I think we're in reference to here, okay? So um, He that burneth incense is if he blessed an idol. Yea, they have chosen their own ways. Isn't that the case? They have chosen their own ways. Well, that's all, Amer- that's all America particularly, and most of the world. Well, of course, I shouldn't say that, because a lot of the world they don't choose. They're forced. But in America, we pretty much have that freedom still, at this point to still choose our own ways. They're so delighted in their abominations. They delight in it. They delight in it. I will choose their delusions, and I will bring their fears upon them. See, God's going to bring their fears upon them. If they're not going to fear God, well, then he's going to bring their fears upon them. That's what happens when you don't fear God, and you don't humble yourself before him. And God will choose your delusions. Well, you could say, oh, well, no, this is all of the devil, what's happening. Who do you think's permitting the devil to do this? The devil has to go to God to get permission. God shall send them strong delusion in verse... 2 Thessalonians 2 says God shall send them strong delusions. Why? That they may believe a lie and all be damned. Whoa, that doesn't sound very nice or politically correct. I don't dare. It's the word of God. God said he's going to send them strong delusions. Why? That they would believe a lie. Why would he do that? Because they've already crossed over the line. There's an imaginary line that only God knows and you cross over it. And the Bible says I would not pray for them anymore. That's why it says that in um, the sin, the sin unto death, in First uh, John five, and Jeremiah seven, Jeremiah eleven, and Jeremiah fourteen. It's a sin unto death. They've crossed over this line. Where that line is, I don't know. But that they would believe a lie, I will choose their delusions. I will bring upon their fears upon them. Because when I called, none did answer. None. When I spake, they did not hear. Now, this is in the good times. I I got a feeling we're dealing... This is when times were good. When I called, none did answer. Well, how, how true is that today in America? God called, but oh, no, no. I got a good... I got a good salary coming in, God. I'm a man of God. I'm preaching your word. Yeah, I'm a 501c3, and I'm reading the wrong Bible, and I don't have any stance, and I don't have any backbone and I preach all the flowery stuff, and I preach about the love of God, and I got my praise and worship rock band back here. Yeah, but God, I'm a man of God. I mean, you you, you called me into this. Maybe God did call you originally into it. Maybe He did. But when He called, did you answer? Many are called, but few are chosen. Now is the way that leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it, including pastors, including them. So, when I called, none did answer. You have to ask yourself that question. When God called, did you answer? Everybody has to ask themselves that. I'm, myself included. I, don't, I think I've dropped the ball many times. Praise God for the Lord's mercy. Because it's not as though if he calls once and, 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 and you drop the ball, all of a sudden he's going to turn his back on you. I mean, God is long-suffering. There's no doubt about it. Praise the Lord. Um, when I spake, they did not hear. When I spake, you know, I, I I just got convicted of this, and I don't think I've ever told anybody this. When I was up in Atlanta, this was before I got saved. This was like probably a year and a half before I got saved. There was a drug that almost killed me. It was called GHB, gamma-hydroxybutyric acid. It's It was a drug, at the, that point you could buy at any health food store. It was the one where... Where I I, I died, they I actually died. And they had to defibrillate me back to life. Um, I died on a. I was watching a high school football game down here in Fort Myers, and uh, I took two. I what I did is I combined this drug with beer, and it had a chemical reaction, and it just about killed me. It's killed several people since then. And um, at the time, it was legal. You could buy it in health food stores. And I remember one time I was high on that drug, and I was I was going I was going to some date. I remember some girl I had met. Probably, all it was going to end up with it was no good, if you know what I mean. And I was on my way to this date, and I couldn't find her. I couldn't. I was disoriented, and delusion. I was taking this drug, and I was like, I had no sense of direction. It was really weird, and I got so angry. I cursed God. I did. It was. Bad. I know before I was saved. Thank God for His long suffering and mercy, but I cursed God bad. And I look back at that and I think, oh, I went to ball up into a fetal position and just like knowing that I just, I mean, God was like, oh, I was bad. I was bad. No, I, I i said bad. It was bad. And and I did. And, and, and I wasn't saved. I had never heard the gospel. God is long suffering. And the Bible says there is nothing too hard for him. Nothing, even to save a sinner like me. There I was, and then and then uh, I, I was probably after that, I died on the football field. I, from that same drug. And they had to refibrillate me back to life. Now, I didn't have no hell experience. Unless God's withheld that from me, I don't remember anything. It was as though I went to sleep, I was, I was watching this football game, and I just passed out. And then I woke up three hours later, and I was strapped to a gurney, and I had a whole room of people around me, and I was writhing up like this, and I couldn't move. I had all these tubes down my throat, IVs in my arm. They brought me back to life. It took them three hours to get me conscious again. They, they, they used the paddles and stuff on me. I was the youngest person they had ever had in the cardiac unit at Southwest Regional. I had a, what they call an inverted T-wave, meaning I had done damage to my heart, they said, because of the lack of oxygen, because the GHB, the drug... Deprived me of oxygen, and I, I think when I passed out, I stopped breathing because I was flatline When they found me, I was dead, and so was my friend. We're both dead. They, they, you know, the flatline. We're dead. So I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking I should be in hell. All the times I drove drunk, I mean, to the point where I don't remember how I got home. I don't. I have no. I would have to call people up the next morning, find out what I did at the party, because I didn't remember. I, and it would be like the first time I had heard it. I did that. I can't believe I did that. I was that bad. Every weekend, pretty much. I deserve to be burning in hell. That's what I deserve. I really do. I, I mean, I is as convinced of that as anything. I praise God for His long... And I said that just to say that God is long-suffering. He does see the beginning from the end. And, and God knows what I deserve. Did your friend live? Yeah, He lived. He lived. But they had to put a catheter in him. I didn't have to get a catheter. Oh, thank God. I don't even want to tell you. It's not fun. Very unfun. They said, we're going to have to cath you. I'm like, bring me as much water as I can possibly consume. Because I'm going to either explode and burst before you put a catheter in me. And that's what I did. (laughs) I had to do that twice. I had a surgery one time on my knee and I had to do that too. But yeah, I'm not going to tell you. It's just... It's, it's, I can't. Anyway, um, so it says, Because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear. But they did evil before mine eyes, and chose that which I delighted not. So see, he called these people, but again, many are called, but few are chosen. They didn't answer. When I spake, they didn't hear. But yet, these same people, especially of the Pentecostal bent, will say, oh, brother, I got a word of God from you. You need to go here, and you need to go there, and you're going to be a mighty man of God, and you can going be mighty exploits. All this stuff. And God told me, and now, when I was a Pentecostal, I acted on several of these things, and found out every time they were not true. And it was like, well, if they're hearing from God, why did they give me bad information? I mean, it's hard to describe unless you've been through it, because I've had it happen to me many times. (laughs) You know, so, (laughs) What, what, what baffles me is that they think they're hearing from God, yet they're in total delusion. How are you hearing from God? If you're in total delusion about almost virtually every other part of your faith, you're in total delusion about it. Maybe I'm being too hard on them. I don't know. I just, I don't, I mean, but, but I've been there. I have been there. I have been one of the fruity, rooty, tootie, fresh and fruity Pentecostal dudes. Yeah, you guys have been through, been through that too, man. The Holy Roller deal. I was one of the most radical. I There was a guy, I'm not lying, this is, this is embarrassing. There was a guy that came and preached at one of these churches. Real famous guy. And I went, and I balled up into a fetal position in front of 5,000 people for about an hour and a half straight after he came up and laid, I believe he laid hands on me. (laughs) I did. I was one of the most radical of the radical. I was, man, because I thought, hey, man, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it all the way. I'm going to do it all the way. I did. Fetal position on the ground. You can imagine, church, 5,000 people, largest auditorium in Cape Coral, and I'm balled up in the ground while the whole service while he had to walk around me. I was that close to him. That's how radical I was. (laughs) So, I was as nutty as you could get, just about. If I was a candy bar, it would have been the nuttiest candy bar you could have had. (laughs) I was that bad. That bad. But, Again, God is long suffering. He brought me through that so that I could help others. So when somebody says, oh, you don't know, you don't, you haven't had the Pentecostal experience. Oh, please, please, dude, don't tell me I haven't had the Pentecostal. I had it all. I had it all. God showed me what was so wrong and what was so warped about the whole thing. What was so, it's flesh. It's the flesh. Now, was I unsaved? No, I do truly, one hundred percent believe that I was saved because God's chastening was always on me from the moment I from the moment I prayed that prayer a long time ago. God's but see, I I didn't identify that until I got into a Baptist church. That was the difference. God let me go through it so I could help other people. So it says. When I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear. But they chose evil before mine eyes. And they chose that which I delighted not. So it's something that you do, you choose. Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word. So this isn't just, this part is only for people that tremble at his word. In fact, most of the time, the reason people don't get anything out of the Bible is because they're not saved. And unless the Holy Spirit's living inside you, you can't understand it. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be foolishness, the Bible says. It's foolishness. Yeah. The Holy Spirit, which is the Comforter that was sent after Jesus was here, the Bible. Jesus said that he will guide you in all these things, and he will bring all things into remembrance that you need to know. Well, if the Holy Spirit's not living inside you, this is going to be like foolishness. Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at His word. So that's who we're talking to here. This is only for that sect of 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 humanity or whatever you want to call it, ye that tremble at His word. Your brethren that hated you and cast you out of my out for my name's sake. Oh, don't can we relate to that a little bit? Have we been cast out of where we were at for God's name's sake? Oh, well, they're just not right with God. Pastor Furnish would say, "We're just the nuts on the edge of town." You know, that we're we're the ones that are ostracized. If you really think about it, now not to say we couldn't go over to Ben Milliken's church and be comfortable over there, okay? But for the most part, we've been the ones that have been viewed upon as the troublemakers, um, the ones that don't have our heads screwed on straight. Why? Because we refuse to go with the flow. Because the flow is contradictory to the word of God. That's really the bottom line. Your brethren, that hated you. They hate hate us. Why? I don't hate them. I really don't hate them. But they hated you. Why? Because your very presence, if you are truly salt and light, will convict them of their sin. That's what happens when you're salt and light. You're going to convict people around you of their sin. Does that mean you walk around in sinless perfection and you're so holier than that? No. If you start to act like that, then you've just lost it. You're not salt light anymore. You're going to get deluded and deceived. Guaranteed. That's why you have to have humility peppered into that whole thing. You have to have the humility in with the truth. If you just have truth, knowledge puffeth up. Lucifer had a lot of truth, and he fell. Why? Because of his beauty, because of his traffic, because of his iniquity, these types of things. So unless you have the humility in there and the fear of God, you're going to go down that same road. You have to have that mixed in there. Taylor, stop. So, your brethren hated you. Your brethren that hated you, that cast you out out for my namesake. Well, doesn't the Bible say that there's going to come a time when they that kill you think they do with God's service? That's when we're coming to. Now, it's not quite that yet here in America, but it'll get here. I guarantee you, these churches are going to turn on us like rabid dogs. They're going to have to have somebody to direct their hatred to. And since they're going to be part of the world wholeheartedly at that point, there's not going to be any, probably, barriers up. Because, way well, hey, when you got a one-world religious leader and a one-world religion and one-world political system, and a one-world currency, you got to be united. Churches are going to be right in there united, one big happy apostate, satanic family. All religions are going to be on equal footing. It's most likely all going to be under the Catholic Church. So we can have those black-robed devils ruling over everybody that cast you out for my name's sake, said... What, what, what did these brethren that, that hated us and then cast us out for God's name's sake, what did they say? Let the Lord be glorified. <laughs> but he shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. They said, let the Lord be glorified when they killeth us and think they doeth God's service. That's how bad it's going to get. That's how deluded they're going to be. That's how deluded they pretty much are, as far as I can see. All it's going to take is a little bit of nastiness in this country, a little bit of political collapse or economic collapse for this to come out. Not quite there yet. They don't really have the reason to do it quite yet. But it's coming. But he shall appear to your joy. I believe that means the Lord shall appear to your joy. And they shall be ashamed. See, their end, they're going to be ashamed because they're going to be without excuse. Taylor, what are you doing? Okay. Sit back where you were sitting. Okay? But he shall appear to your joint. Um, I don't know if there's anything more. No. Because this would be a totally different direction, we would get into this study on this if we went down this road. Um, I, I'm really behind in in a lot of the stuff that I'm doing right now um, because of the uh, because I got just deluged with so much information in the last few weeks. So I wanted to uh, go into the last trumpet newsletter that I got, the the last one that I've got. Um, Let's go ahead. We'll just take a break real quick, and then I'll go ahead and do a session two. Okay, so this is part two of um, our Bible study for today, and uh, we're we're. I just read the first three verses. He always gives about three verses from the last trumpet newsletter. Um, this is for actually the January edition, um, most um, recent one that he put out. And um, he goes on to say, in this issue of the Last Trumpet, we will once again apply the word of the Almighty God to the current conditions of our nation and the world, and we will clearly see the multitudes of deceased, diseased, yeah, deceived and illuminized people of this troubled planet are about to receive a fiery and final judgment from the Creator of all things. The above scripture verse warns us, with the utmost certainty of the grave danger of the rebellion against the Almighty, we know that the people of this world, especially those of the United States, are in many ways in a state of complete rebellion against God and his true word. Absolutely. <clears throat> we also know Satan's purpose is to, is to seduce the entire population of this troubled planet into a universal and organized rebellion against our Savior, Jesus Christ. Just as Lucifer organized a rebellion and a revolt in heaven before he came to Satan. Now, Satan's got us outnumbered, <laughs> probably about a thousand to one. I don't know what the odds are, but you know something? That's all by design too. God's the one that's going to send a strong delusion. He's going to choose their delusions. It says it. Okay. What would be the purpose of that? The same purpose as Gideon's army. He, he pared it down and pared it down and pared it down until there was only a few people left. Well, why would he do that? So he could get more glory. If you have a million going against a million and, the, and a million of them are Christians, a million of them are atheists or devils, and the million beat the other million, it's harder for God to get glory out of that battle. Because you could say, well, they were even numbers, it was an even fight, and, and bless God, we did prevail, but we prevailed by sheer numbers. That's what that's what somebody from the outside could say. But if you got an army like Gideon's, and you got this handful of people, and they defeat an army of gigantic proportions in a miraculous way, it's a whole lot easier for God to get glory and for all men to see and fear and declare the work of God. And they would wisely consider His doing. You see, I always bring it back to those, those essential tenets. Fear of God, God getting glory, people getting saved, um, God dealing with the wicked. I think those are all positive things that I think we just don't hardly have any of in today's day and age. But are very important. Really important for people to get saved, too. Uh, just as Lucifer organized a rebellion and revolt in heaven before he became Satan, so he is at this very time organizing all of his earth into a state of rebellion and insurrection against God and those who are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a good point. Satan is doing the same thing he did when he was Lucifer up in heaven. He's organizing a rebellion against God. I mean, they're going to be so delusional at the end that in Armageddon they're actually going to go thinking that they're going to beat God. That's pretty delusional. They're going to have their million man army, or whatever, at Armageddon, and the blood's going to flow up to the bridle, what is the bridle of the horses? It's going to be so deep? I mean, that's how delusional they're going to be. I mean, if you think about it, they're flesh and blood, and they're going to be trying to fight the host of heaven who are spiritual. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. How are you going to beat that? I mean, now I do think a human who's fighting the devil, who's a spirit, can, can, can utter words out of his mouth, can quote the word of God, to deal with the devil in that particular way, but to do the opposite for the devil, to actually do damage to, to, to spiritual entities, Jesus is going to be coming back on a white horse, and, and, and he's going to bring his army of saints with him at that battle of Armageddon. There are some seriously delusional people that think they can do that, but they're going to do it. We know it's going to happen. Um, <clears throat> we see this rebellion rising rapidly in every level and endeavor of human activity. This is especially so in now that we see <clears throat> in, oh, this is especially so in government, educational institutions and churches of all kinds. The organized uprising against our Savior is now seen by the discerning and true Christians as a clandestine crescendo of an infernal conspiracy that is nearly complete. The masses of people in our nation, of the United States, have proven by their actions that they are under the direct influence of the dark forces. This is especially true of our leaders, who fully capitulate with the invisible oligarchy of the Illuminati, also known as the masterminds of the great conspiracy. As a result of this infernal leadership, our world has changed, Americans have lost their country in the liberty, security, and privacy that they once enjoyed. We are now controlled by electronic devices. Uh oh. Sorry. <laughs> no, don't, don't. I, 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 hey, if, uh, if, if I would use something like that, I would have bought one a long time ago, but I just won't use them. I, I, I just, am, I like to handwrite stuff. Um, Americans have lost their country. Uh, no, we are now controlled by electronic devices, answering machines, surveillance cameras credit cards, electronic buying and selling, and a careful watching by an unseen cycloptic eye whose symbol still appears on the back of our U.S. $1 bill. At the same time, we are a nation that is saturated and laden with sin beyond description. There is an ever-increasing and insatiable desire for more of it. All this will be clearly pointed out in this issue. Taylor, go back and sit down. How are you going to listen to me and... stay there for like 10 minutes, and then you're going to have to move back. Okay? I don't want you to mess disturb Doug either. The Scripture warns us of the great problem of the impenitence in the last of the last days. It also names the four great sins. Oh, and just so you know, I got my crystal pulpit. I brought it here. My crystal plexiglass pulpit. This is my pulpit. See there? And it's a little worse for wear. It's kind of cracked on the edges and here. But it is neon green which I think is, I was going to wear maybe a neon green suit to match maybe the pulpit. Got my kiosk ordered and my globe ordered. You know what I need to have, too? I was just thinking about this, Nunez. I need to have my own parking spot out there in your driveway. reserved for, uh, I don't know, um... I don't, I could have maybe a Masonic title, Doug. Our most worshipful master, 33rd degree Mason thing. Yeah. Anyway, I got off on a tangent there. It'd be a red red carpet. No. Pure gold. And then red carpet would lead up. And you wouldn't use the stairs, you'd use an elevator. I'd float up, because I'd be so holy. Oh, well, I know. <laughs> you'd have your little wings. Yeah, yeah. That's how most. Preachers do it, but I'm not going to follow that mold. Um, The scripture warns us of a great problem of impenitence in the last days. That means they're not repentant. They're impenitent in the last days. It also names the four great sins which people refuse to repent of. Now, this is interesting. This is the four great sins in Revelation 9.21 that they wouldn't repent of. Revelation 9.21. We read of these four great evils as follows. Neither they repented of their murders nor their sorceries, nor their fornication, nor their thefts. Huh. That's pretty... That's what they're going to be... That's... that's the four things they mentioned there. Sorceries, witchcraft. We know that's witchcraft that's going to be the one world religion of the coming new world order. We know that that's the case. And, and you already got it in the churches. You already got sorceries and witchcraft in the, in the, in the modern day churches. Really? Murders? Well, you got your abortion clinics and your, uh, that, a lot of that is more to come. People will be murdered at a greater rate in this century than there, any other century in times past, ever. Fornication, we don't, that's totally prevalent. Nor are there thefts, and evidently there's gonna be a lot of thieves. One of the greatest signs of the end of this world will be changes which would take place in creation. Our Savior told us in Luke 21-25, And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth, the distress, distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. <clears throat> Furthermore, Apostle Paul warned us in Romans eight, twenty-two. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. We do not have to look very hard to see that both in space... And here on Earth, everything is dramatically changing. There are days of extremes in weather worldwide. Now I'll tell you something. This is the hottest, this is the hottest winter I have ever had down here in Florida. Here we are. I got the air turned on. I mean, last night was one of the first cool nights we've had in a long time, halfway cool. I mean, last winter, uh, man, I, I thought, I thought it was pretty cool last winter. This winter is unbelievable. And I do think there's, there's definitely changes taking place in the winter, uh, or the weather, and I think you can document that. If you can document it, the one thing nice about the weather is, is, if, is if it's objective, if it's being documented accurately, well, it's objective. It's not, it's not really subject to debate. I mean, well, no, it was 65 degrees. No, the thermometer said it was 78. It's not something you can really debate, is my point here. So, the weather is something that we can look at and be objective about. Taylor, what are you doing? Is that... You can type? My word. That's fine. I mean, sure. Okay. Um, Storms have become so massive that one of them can cover half a continent. High wind warnings for the midsection of the country involving the 15 states at the same time have been posted. Hundreds of massive thunderstorms and tornadoes have ripped through um, and hammered our sinful nation. And every year there are more of these storms. I have studied and practiced meteorology for over 40 years. And that's when they studied meteorites. Just kidding. It's weather. Um, (laughs) And I have never seen anything like it before. Some areas of the country are severely flooded. while other areas are as parched and dry as dust. Um, You know, I, I remember Barbara telling me that uh, remember Dodge City in, um, what Kansas is it? Dodge City, where they, the OK Corral, the Battle of OK Corral took place. Barbara, my, one of my friends, Barbara said she has a friend that lives out there. She said that they hadn't had rain in years, years, and it's supposed it's some curse they've been put on the town. I don't know if that's true or not, but and not to say that couldn't be. But um, I have heard about places like this. Can you imagine not getting rain for years? Whoa! Um, Mount Rainier National Park in the state of Washington has been virtually destroyed by storms. And over 20 feet of snow there fell in only a few days. 20 feet? Uh, as of December 14, 2006, there have been a whopping 487 significant earthquakes worldwide in the past 30 days. 480? Seven significant earthquakes, meaning it's above a certain part of the Richter scale, in the last 30 days? That's unbelievable. As recorded and documented by the U.S. Geological Survey. Now he's got all this this, this reference. Everything in here is reference. You can go check out the references too. These are earthquakes with a magnitude of 4.0 or above. That's a significant earthquake. Um, isn't it strange that they do not make the evening news? Very soon there will be some that the controlled news media won't be able to ignore. See, what the controlled news media tries to do a lot of times is just lull us to sleep and think everything's, oh, okay, yeah, we just need to worry about the war in Iraq, and we need to keep sending more troops, and President Bush is a great guy, and all this stuff, you know. Really? You know, that's funny because there was something that I had read that said there was an, uh, an earthquake. Really? Yeah. Wow. So we actually had an earthquake here. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Noneta has a house that's kind of up on uh, steel beams, and when it does shake, if the earth does shake, it's more apparent here, because it translates up into the steel frame a lot more than a, than a, than a house that would just be on a like a cement foundation on the ground. So you were able to... Uh, wow. Well, I had heard that, and you know, on the one, I thought, well, why didn't I feel anything? Now it explains it to me. So, yeah, we've even had them here. And here we are in Florida where, I mean, there's hardly, you'd ever even hear about that. Um, moving on in this article, uh, this uh, says, one generation has to be the last one. It's a good point. There is, there is a generation that has to be, I mean, and then he says, I'm convinced by the word of God and by the signs of the times that the last generation is now alive on this troubled earth. The constant manufactured threat of terror has changed everything in the United States. And it sent reactions and repercussions around the world. A crescendo of evil chaos is continually building and the Bible prophecy tells us what the final result will be. Uh, Well, just to get back to that one point about the earthquakes. um, The Bible says that all creation groaneth and travaileth in expectation for the manifold uh, for the revealing of the manifold sons of God. I forget where it says it but I know it's in the New Testament. That's pretty much the verse. So the Bible does say that that, that all creation will groaneth and travaileth, and and it's going to be like, it's going to be like the birth pains up to a woman giving birth. That's another analogy that I believe Jesus used, um, and that there were going to be earthquakes in divers places, and in wars and rumors of wars, and all manner of weather changes. So it's something that just confirms the Bible is, is all it is. I mean, I get a little excited about it because it's it's just um, pure confirmation. And what I get excited about most of all, really, and this is why I want to be prepared, because I don't want to be giving out all this advice about these things coming, and then myself be totally unprepared. I'm like a hypocrite if I do that. One of the things that excites me about it is that I do believe that this is going to be the only thing that's going to wake anybody up, is for it to get bad, or, or for some horrific things to happen. And that excites me from the standpoint of, I believe people will get saved to a certain extent, that wouldn't get saved if they hadn't So, in some ways, I look forward to it because I really believe that that, that unless all men see and fear and declare the work of God, then what good is it going to be? If it just keeps going like it's going now, things aren't going to get any better, that's for sure. Um, So, wars and rumors of wars are a present reality as evil and bloodthirsty demons continue to manipulate their human stooges in a dreadful war against heaven and the children of God on earth. It is Satan's second great thrust of rebellion against God. In his first rebellion, now, I don't agree with this statement, and I'm going to tell you why. In his first rebellion, Satan enlisted the help of one-third of his angels of heaven, who subsequently became demons. I don't know about that. This time, Satan and his demons have enlisted the help of the masses of deceived human stooges who are so brainwashed by religion and government that they are willing to capitulate with any and all edicts of hell. These are people that are ripe for receiving the mark of the beast. Now, he says that all the angels became demons. Now, I believe there's a difference between a demon and a fallen angel. Okay? A third of the angels fell. Now, think about this. And I've said this before in in other things. What happened when the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and they fell, and they left their first estate, as it says in Jude, they fell and they left their first estate and they came down, they saw the dollars of men, saw their were fair, took all that they would to be as their wives and as a demonic offspring, they had Nephilim The fallen ones. The giants that were in the land that walked the earth. What happened to their spirits when they died? Because they weren't human. They weren't fully human and they weren't fully fallen angel, but they were some kind of Perverted offspring. What happened to their spirits? Did they just go to hell, just like regular humans? Well, if you look in the Book of Enoch, it says contradictory. Now, oh, now you're getting off that extra extra biblical. I'm not saying I'm not saying the Book of Enoch's canon. I'm not saying that it's the word of God, but I am saying that they reference it in Jude, and I believe one or two other places in the Old Testament they reference the Book of Enoch, and and they actually give direct quotes from the book of Enoch in the Bible. So I think it's worth looking at, at least. And I'll tell you what, if you read the book of Enoch, the Bible makes a whole lot more sense about fallen angels. If you want to know about fallen angels and about Satan's kingdom, read the book of Enoch. Now, don't go off on left field and say, oh, well, I'm going to... Honestly, when I read the book of Enoch, the Bible says, by their fruit you shall know them, right? When I read the book of Enoch, and you've read the book of Enoch, I believe... Did it, did it, when you were done, did it strengthen your belief in the Bible and in the Word of God and in the Lord, or did it weaken it? What was your opinion? You I know. Did you to yeah. Did I sure. I mean, when I read it, I was like praising God the whole way through. And it wasn't no Pentecostal nutty praising God. I'm like, whoa, this makes the Bible make so much more sense. I mean, Oh, it's like, you want to know about the deep things of God? About the angelic realm? Now, I'm not saying you'll understand all of it. But yeah, I don't understand all the Bible either. And I'll tell you what, that thing did nothing but increase my faith. I was on fire when I got done right. Now, the Bible says, by their fruit, you should know them." It didn't do one thing. There wasn't one thing in that Bible that caused me to question the word of God. And say, oh, well, that contradicts. I don't like that. Well, I don't. I don't remember reading anything like that whatsoever. What it really did is strengthen my faith and make a lot more sense to me about what was going. But see, these are things you can't talk about in the church. Why? Because the traditions of God have made the word. Because the tri- traditions of men have made the word of God of none effect. There's certain things you can't discuss. Well, back in Catholic times, you couldn't even discuss the Bible at all because only the priests were qualified to render any. They. Well, the Bible says, Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. I believe God is like an open book, and, and, and you can go into his book and read it. And if there's something out there, and if God if God's word is the anvil, and you put that thing on the anvil, and if it just crumbles on the anvil, well, then you know then it's not of God. But that the book of Enoch doesn't do that. And so, the book of Enoch is pretty clear that the Nephilim, when they died, they were the ones that became demons. Okay. Then we have the fallen angels, which is more of a higher caste. Now, a lot of those fallen angels were are in Tartarus right now, which is a special compartment of hell, where it talks about, um, it was only mentioned one time in the New Testament, it's a special compartment of hell, and it's referred to as hell. Um, but it's, they're reserved in chains and everlasting judgment. So you know, some things to look at there, and some things I would say, you know, look into, because if you want to know more, I'll tell you what, if if I was the devil, I wouldn't want me knowing what the book of Enoch had. You know, it gives you the place where they fell at. It gives you the exact place where they, where when they came down, when the, when the sons of God saw the daughters of men, it was Mount Hermon? Mount Hermon. It's over in uh, there in Israel, in that area. They came down on that mountain, and they give the names of all the fallen angels. Um, Azazel is one of them, and I, I, they've got all these names. And they gave the names of all the fallen angels and what every angel did to deceive mankind. See, they each had their own specialties. <laughs> one of them, I hate to say it, said taught women how to apply makeup. Taught women about cosmetics and makeups and, and how to beautify their eyelids and things of this nature. One of them taught him um, how to uh, manufacture metal and were an artificers of brass. Well, this is where we get Tubalcane from in the Bible, where he was an artificer of brass, and most likely he was. And he was um, uh, the the masons do a lot with tubulcane. They do a lot in their in their masonic thing, and. They give all the names of the angels and what they did. If you want, if you want, we and I don't mean we we would reserve um, the whole time, but if you want, I could go through the book of Enoch. If you want to go through the book of Enoch, it's up to you guys. A little bit at a time. Not like the whole service. But maybe take an hour, an hour and a half, once a week and go through it. I don't know. It's up to you. What do you think? Okay. I mean, I'll tell you what. It'd be interesting. And, and if... If I did that, no, 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 you could ask if you had questions along the way. And again, again, I'm not saying this is the Bible, okay? But I am saying the Bible does reference the book of Enoch. And the Bible doesn't do that a whole lot. The Bible doesn't say this or this. I think it talks about the book of Jasher one time. The Bible mentions the book of Jasher. And then the book of Enoch on two or three different occasions. And it actually quotes directly from the book of Enoch. Now, the, the book of Enoch that I have... Actually has the King James references where like if it has a, a verse it says okay go to go to um it actually has the King James verse at the bottom of the page you can read it that confirm the, there's a lot of cross confirmation there, which I really like you know yeah that's the that's the special book of Enoch that I've got um up on the internet it, you would get it would be Book of Enoch and then you would probably you could probably get it on amazon.com or wherever Um, But I really like that version, because it's... I mean, here it is, the King James Bible, right here, saying the exact same thing, basically. And you get all this confirmation, and it's every page. It's not just one page. It's, It's overwhelming. It's like, whoa, this really does confirm the Word of God. So, I don't agree with him when he says, demons here. Okay? But, you know what? I took this guy off my email list. Because he kept making cracks about, these Christians that don't pay their taxes... And I'm thinking to myself, you know something? The Bible says, he who judgeth the matter before he hears it, it's a folly and a shame. You're not even looking into the matter. You're not even trying to be a Berean and search this thing out. I'm going to send him, when Aaron Ruse says Freedom and Fascism DVDs, and tell him, listen, Pastor, if you can refute this, let me know. Okay. If you can refute this, let me know. Um, well, I know, and we saw that that DVD, and there's so much, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I could, I could flood, but, you know, I could tell when I stopped emailing him that, he stopped mentioning it in his newsletters. And it was really starting to aggravate me a little bit, because he wasn't searching the matter out whatsoever, you know. But he doesn't also know about 501c3. He has no comprehension. So, see, if you're in that system of 501c3, you're going to have much more of a tendency to support the income tax system. Because guess what? The IRS is the one that has rule over your church. In a 501c3 organization, the Internal Revenue Service has rule. We've seen how evil that organization is. So, don't tell me that if you are under that covering of the IRS, and they can come in, and they can shut you down, and they can tell you what to preach, and they can do it. Don't tell me it's not going to affect you in a spiritual way. It has to. It has to affect you in a spiritual way. Some way, shape, or form. In his case, he's not going to say a word against nothing about it. Even though it's ungodly and it's evil and it's not biblically correct. And none of that money is going to run in our country. Not a dime. President Reagan even said it. The Grace Commission said it. Even though that's the case, you got to pay your taxes. Well, I'll pay any lawful taxes. No problem. So anyway... Um, he said that about demons, and, and you know I don't agree with that. I don't. But oh boy, I'm really off in the deep end now if I do that. Um, another audacious act of the Bush administration is the Military Commissions Act. U.S. Representative Ron Paul, who is running for president, he's running for president. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He's not going to win, but at least maybe he'll get some truth out. He's the only politician that I would have to say is... If there, were, if there was a decent one, he's the only guy. He's the only one. Um, he is actually, um, I'm in pretty good company. Because Free Market News Network, and I don't want to say this to brag, but I, I do feel like I'm in good company at that particular um, Free Market News Network. Because they had 300 they had 300 editorial contributors. Okay, now this is the company that I post for, that I submit newsletters to. And they, they trimmed 250 out. They cut 250 of them out, and I'm still in there. I, I'm one of the 50. I didn't know that until the other day. I went up there and, and somebody sent me an email, and they' made this big sweeping change. And, and now it may be purely because I give them so much good news, because I give them stuff all the time. I'm like, Here, here's this story, here's this story, here's this story. And they run it because they don't I, I have a really I mean, over the years, God has put me in connection with a lot of people, and now I've got a lot of upper-level connections, and I can get them information they're not getting anywhere else. So I praise God for it. I'm not going to take credit for it. Um, but Ron Paul is one of their editorial contributors. And he, um, he said that, um, he reportedly stated the following regarding the Military Commissions Act. Quote, this is Ron Paul, the law officially allows for U.S. citizen concentration camp facilities. It's one of the many. The authority has been given so that concentration camps can come without habeas corpus. If they can lock you up, what good is freedom of speech or what, what good is a gun? End of quote. That's what he said. That's why I like him. On December 2nd, or one of the reasons, December 2nd, 2006, Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont brought criticism against the Bush administration's secret program of terror ratings. The program assigns unannounced terrorism risk assessments to American travelers by a computerized system managed from an unmarked two-story building in northern Virginia. From this facility, millions of Americans have been scrutinized as potential criminals without their knowledge. American travelers are not allowed to see or directly challenge the risk of assessments. I'm just waiting for me to get on. I was thinking that the whole time when I was on that Prophecy Club tour. I'm like, Where they, which, which airport are they going to get in? But I was on a really high-profile tour. Well, not really high profile, but hey. So if they got me, it would have been a bad place for them to get me. Because I could have, you know what I mean, I was supposed to be in a certain place. I was on this tour. But don't be surprised if you try to board a plane or something and they nail you. You know, I hate to say it, but that that may be the very the, the case. Um, American travelers are not allowed to see or directly challenge the risk assessments. They are kept on file for 40 years. The information is shared with the government agencies. Conversely, I believe the greatest risk to American people is its own government. The new Congress is not going to be any better than the previous one. I have, front of, I have in front of me an enlarged page from U.S. News Magazine, which shows the new Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and Senator Harry Reid sitting in front of a glass top table with the obvious residue of lines of cocaine in front of them. A magnifying glass really tells the story as two distinct lines were there. These were not powered, a powdered sugar donut. When we realize that cokeheads are running our government, it sure explains a lot about the way they see things. Now, it's, it's notorious that Bush is a cokehead. Just That's why he, he gets up and gives speeches now, and he can't give speeches. His brain is so fried from alcohol abuse and coke that he's just, I mean, he's a blathering idiot. He, he is. You try to watch him speak, and it's a joke. I mean, I've got clip after clip after clip after clip of him saying the stupidest things. And he just appears bewildered. And here he is, you know, President of the United States. Um, Let's see here. I know it's already one, so I want to try to wrap this up here. Not all of this is important. A lot of it's stuff that we always kind of... uh... This is interesting. When we consider this, the United States contained only 6% of the population but controlled 80% of the world's wealth, we can see someone has left the drain open. Um, The U.S. economy is in serious trouble. The dollar slides and weakens against other currencies. and Now, this is true. In fact, I just heard Cheney took all of his American dollars and converted them all to euros, which I highly advise, if if you're going to do nothing else, convert your U.S. money to euros or a portion of it. Preferably gold and silver and euros, because euros is going to be a currency you will be able to use, and it will not devalue. In fact, it's only going up. So, anyway. um, The U.S. Mint, our economy is in bad condition, as revealed by many indicators. In fact, we're in such bad financial shape that the U.S. mint, and I know this is true because I've seen this other spot. U.S. mint had to activate a law against melting down coins for their actual value as metal. It is now enforceable crime to melt down American coins. The offense is punishable by five years in prison, and a $10,000 fine. In some cases, the metals that the coins are made of are worth more than twice as much as the value of a coin. That is true of the nickel and of the penny. The penny is copper, and the nickel is nickel. Nickel and copper are right now worth more, if not double, what their face value are worth. So if one thing you could do is just if you have, um, if, if you went to the bank and got $25 or, $25 or $50 in nickels, that's actually an investment. The face value, because our dollar is so devalued and so worth nothing, the face value on a nickel, it would be like going back to 1969 when we came off the silver standard and having a roll of silver dimes the same thing. Now you can even do that with nickels and, and pennies. So it's something to think about. It's something you could do. It would be easy. Um, is one to be that you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Because the the, the copper is coming in, in uh, short supply. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised one bit. Recently, Financial Times Magazine published a story, Oil Producers Shun Dollar. In the article, the U.S. economy was described as an already alien and worse in trouble than ever because oil-producing nations are limiting the acceptance of the U.S. dollar and even rejecting it in favor of the Euros, Yen, and Sterling. Um, More and more nations throughout the world, such as Red China and Russia, are rejecting the U.S. dollar because they view it as weak and dying. And it is. It is. The gross idolatry of our government and people of the United States is bringing judgment from the Almighty on its economy. Um, America has become a nation of human guinea pigs. We have heard the horror stories about human experimentation by Nazi extremists in Germany during World War II, but now it happens in our country in a deceptive and clandestine program of the worst kind. Now, I put out an email on this right when it first came out. And I, I got no reaction to this at all, but well, want no, I got a little bit. This is true. I received a large number of inquiries from my previous knowledge of recipients. In fact, one of the readers... Oh, he he received a lot of inquiries about um, a newsletter concerning artificial blood called polyheme. They're giving people in in hospitals now. Um, In fact, one of the readers sent me a blue wristband from one of the more honest hospitals that had the words printed on it, I decline the Northfield polyheme study. One of the greatest problems in America, however, is that most people are so deceived and so naive that they never raise issues about anything, much less question their trusted doctors and healthcare professionals. See, those doctors the other day with that guy that was in the hospital, they didn't blame anything on Coumadin. Oh, no. No. It wasn't it was. It's the cancer. Prove it. Well, yeah, we can't find anything on the cat skin, but... Oh, I don't know. They're, they're so pathetic. These, You know what I call... They're witch doctors. I, I really view the... Because what are they? They're drug pushers. They've got their magic prescription pad, which, which they're dealing out pharmaceuticals that are poisons, rat poison in this case, we're talking about. The other one, aspirin, that he was taking causes 20,000 deaths per year. Did you know that? Did you know that aspirin was the number one cause of macular degeneration in the country? Aspirin kills 20,000 people a year. Documented. Documented. Causes stomach ulcers, bleeding internally. Twenty thousand died just from that, and that's all we know about. It could be double or triple. I view—I'm really starting to view the medical profession more like witch doctors. Well, they're—they're they're, they're dealing with pharmaceuticals, pharmaceuticals, pharmacia is the root word for sorcery. They're prescribing controlled poisons. Now, granted, again, emergency medicine is great. Do whatever you got to do to save a life. I still think it could probably be done way better. If they did use natural things, oh, we can't do that because we can't patent natural substances. Not only that, why would we want to do that? We want to depopulate the world and kill everybody. And we're going to use the medical society to do that for us. The plain truth is that there are no safe vaccines. No, not one. Chronic ear infections, attention deficit disorder, allergies, asthma, autism, death, diabetes, meningitis, polio, seizures, sudden infant death syndrome are only some of the things caused by adverse reactions To vaccines, it was again U.S. Representative Ron Paul, who is also a medical doctor. I didn't know that, but he said this: "Who said, when we give the government the power to make medical decisions for us, we in essence accept that the state owns our bodies." End of quote. You may have noticed that was the same quote I had on my PowerPoint presentation on the avian flu thing. So I quoted Ron Paul from there. I hope I get I I hope I get a chance to meet him someday. Anyway, um, but it's not a big deal. In a recent article that appeared in the American Association of Retired People, AARP, the following was revealed about the vaccine technology. Vaccines are currently grown in fertilized chicken eggs. Now, that's not true. Some of them are grown in fertilized chicken eggs. Some of them are grown in green, rhesus, monkey kidneys. Some of them are grown on aborted babies. In fact, 13 of them. 13 or 14, I gave you the list on my AVL flu presentation, are grown and aborted babies. The article goes on to inform us that health experts felt that the new system is quicker and eliminates the risk... Oh no, hold on. A new technology would incubate vaccines in, them in human, monkey, canine, insect, and or other cells in enclosed vats. What kind of witch doctor stuff is this? And again, I keep bringing it back to witch doctor. It sounds like the old witch around a cauldron. Eye of newt. Whatever, you know. Doesn't it sound like that? But aren't we going back to that? If you think about it, we're going back to... What's the one where religion going to be? Repackaged witchcraft? New age witchcraft? Well, what's, I wonder what the medical system is going to revolve around. Probably repackaged witchcraft? That's what we've got here. This is cursed. You get this injected in your body? You don't think you could, it might be bringing a curse on yourself? It, at minimum, it's going to be a curse to your health. And you're not gonna be able to be best for your best for the Lord. And you're gonna be under the spirits, whatever we can go on and on. Um, the Sanofi Pastor Company is working on the project in Swiftwater, Pennsylvania plant and have received ninety seven million contract from the US Department of Health. Oh, I'm so glad they're looking out for our health and human services to accelerate the production and conduct critical trials. When we consider all the diseases, pestilences, and infirmities that are now plaguing our country, we know something is drastically wrong. Our bodies are being experimented with and managed by evil minds in high places. America is in deep trouble and asking for fiery judgment. Computers and television have done Satan's job for him. Americans now spend an average of 10 hours per day on these and similar devices. The Associated Press recently revealed the average American home has now more television sets than people. The average indicates that there are 2.73 television sets for every 2.55 people. We also know that the Federal Communications Commission issued a ruling on November 8, 2006, stating profanity is permissible on news shows, end of quote. The obsession with Daniel Radcliffe, the young man that played the role of Harry Potter in the Potter movies, is about to have a new twist. Radcliffe, now this is the guy that played Harry Potter on the Harry Potter movies, Radcliffe is scheduled to appear completely naked on stage in London. Now, this is this kid, how old can he be? Completely naked in London in the Tony Winnie drama Equus. I'm sure that's something real godly and holy. It is the story of a troubled young man. You're not gonna believe this. This is the guy in Harry Potter, okay? That all the kids are following. He's gonna be appearing. Completely naked, who's revered now as a godlike figure among kids who are following him into witchcraft. We were in Books a Million yesterday. And I just let Taylor go through. I said, Hey, Taylor, look at this witchcraft book. Look at this witchcraft book. Look at this witchcraft. Every, every, it was just thinking witchcraft. Everywhere. All the Harry Potter books, all these things, all these, these books about witchcraft. It was unbelievable. Books a Million. Everywhere you looked. Yeah. It's, it's, they're preparing them for that one world religion, man. You know? Soap operas are too, that's right. They're terrible. So, they, they, um, Radcliffe is scheduled to appear completely naked on stage in London. This story, this equal story, is about a troubled young man with a religious, erotic obsession with Horses. Thus, the young role model for millions of children is promoting bestiality with horses and public nudity. By their fruits, ye shall know them. Is that even conceivable? This is what this play is going to be about. This noble play. He's going to appear naked on stage. Uh, Yeah, that was... Yeah, but this is actually a story about him having some erotic obsession with horses in a religious way. But no, I know what you're talking about. Um, I forget what that was called. One of them was called the Minotaur, and that was like half man, half bull, I think. Yeah, I can't remember the half horse. Oh, sure there. But they're doing all that, the way that they've got things cloned and they're clung, I guarantee you they're cloning humans and they're cloning uh, they're they're putting humans with monkeys and humans with s- well a satyr is is a goat like creature that's that's evil um that's uh, the, the devil now a sphinx would be half human half uh, uh, who knows they Satan perverts everything I'm almost done here in Aus- Australia the Herald Sun newspaper reported on September 11 2006 the following headline. This is in the, the Sun Herald in Australia. Breast enhancing padded bras for girls as young as six are being sold. Yep, in Victorian shops. Brands such as Bratz, Saddle Club, and Barbie in 30 varieties are being sold in Target stores in Australia. You can go get a padded, padded bra for your six year old. Yeah, and, and under Bratz and Barbie, you know what I think about them. The, the the bratz dolls, they should call them either whore dolls or slut dolls. I'm sorry, but that's basically what they look like. They're they're. I mean, have you seen these things? These bratz dolls, they make barbies look like uh role models. Just about. I mean, they're both bad. They're both wicked. But bratz dolls take it to a whole different level. I've never seen anything like it. Well, this is reminiscent of that whole pole dancer kit that they had. The whole stripper pole dancer kit that they are selling over in England from Tyco, selling that one, In The United States, the New York Times reported on October 15, 2006, that married couples are now a minority. Only 49.7% of households with couples are married. Also, the New York City Miss Magazine recently released its fall issue with a cover story entitled, We Had Abortions. This is Miss Magazine. We Had Abortions. It contained a list of thousands of names of women, prominent women, who sign a petition to make their declaration? We ha- we killed our babies. We killed our babies, and we're proud of it. That's basically what they're saying. We live in a strange time when bloodthirsty female murderers proudly declare their sin of human sacrifice in the temples of Satan called abortion clinics. I say he nailed it. I say he just nailed it. That's exactly what they are. And did you know that most abortion clinics are owned by witches? Why? Why would witches want to? Well, number one, the love of money is the root of all evil. Usually, lesbian witches, because most witches are lesbians anyway. Because Satan will generally bring them to that. Why? Because they can sacri- they they can they can tally up those those sacrifices every day and a lot and give it to Satan, and they can do their witchcraft and make money at the same time. That's what they do. Most people that own uh, tattoo studios are also Satanists, and they bless their needles before they put the tattoos on them, and it's another way that they can serve Satan. A lot of prostitutes do the same thing because they know that they can defile humanity greater when you join flesh to flesh, greater than any other way. So they become prostitutes. Again, they make money and they defile humanity. So they're serving Satan and they're making money. This is the world we live in. This is the uncandy-coated world we live in. And I try to give it to you in as real form as we can. We've also learned New York Daily Transit System article that men who live as women can now legally use women restrooms in New York City New York City's transit system. The the, the um, MTA announced that restrooms are consistent with gender expression. So yeah, if you think you're a a man trapped in a woman's body, well you know, you can use the women's restroom. What will it take and how many severe warnings must be given before people wake up to the reality of the eternal damnation and repent? This this is amazing. When I'm about ready to read you, when the Almighty God sent Hurricane Katrina to destroy the wicked city of New Orleans, uh, Louisiana, it was an awesome example of what will happen to our entire nation very soon unless we repent. Well, that we know that's not going to happen, unfortunately. Not to say that I don't think God's powerful enough or strong. But nobody wants to repent. No, no, no there's, there's no desire. Um, but the wicked city of New Orleans has got back, has went back to its own vomit and wallows in its own filth even more with the influx of over 50,000 workers that have come to rebuild the city, thousands of prostitutes have relocated there to immorale, to immorally service the workers. Away, I never even knew about this, who are away from their wives and families. Well, isn't that wonderful? That when, when the cat's away, the mouse will play, you know? Deputy police... Chief James Scott said, quote, it's like, it's like the Super Bowl for sex workers. That's what, the, that's what the wonderful Deputy Police Chief said there. I pray God just wipe that stinking place off the planet. I, I do. I, I, I hate New Orleans. I, I can't stand that place. On November 27, 2006, our nation was disgraced once again when the U.S. Embassy in Argentina was forced to ask President George Bush's twin daughters to leave Argentina. After numerous incidents of drunken and disorderly behavior and running naked through the hotel, it was too much for Secret Service and Argentinians to handle. They had to make her go. That's how bad the uh, president's daughters are. Another shameful event happened on October 17th at the U.S. State Department when Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice commented on the newly sworn in Global AIDS Director, Mark Dubal. Present with him was his male wife, Jason and other relatives, including Jason's mother, Marilyn, whom Rice referred to as Mark Duble's mother-in-law. Oh, isn't that special? In addition to that outrage, it was announced by Vice President Dick Cheney that his daughter, a flaming and outspoken lesbian, is pregnant. Dick Cheney's daughter's pregnant. Yeah, our Vice President. Her husband is Heather Poe. And the means by which Mary Cheney became pregnant is not being disclosed. See, that's why lesbians and Satan and gays are so rabid, because they can't, in and of themselves, ever perpetuate their race. Because if a guy's with a guy, how are you going to have babies? They can't. You know the only way they can do it is by recruitment, or by artificial insemination, in a woman's case. Um, The vice president and his wife are delighted. When President Bush heard about it, he said he was happy for Mary Cheney. When asked if the children are at a disadvantage if raised by gay and lesbian parents, President Bush said, I do not make comments on that. There you have it. State of the world. Another happy-go-lucky, fun-filled sermon. Anyway, um, do you you want me to close this out? Okay. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord God, for this time that you've given us. For the truth, Lord God, you've allowed to come forth. I do pray, God, that it was pleasing in your sight I do pray, Lord God, if I've said anything to offend you or am saying anything that's not of you, that you would reveal that to me, God. I pray, God, wherever your word is being preached worldwide, that you would bless it, Lord. And that, Lord God, this sin world would operate in truth and in fear of the Lord. I just pray, God, that your fear cover this country, cover this world, that that fear would drive these people to repentance, that many would be saved, God, that your name would be glorified. For without your fear, we're hopeless. This world is hopeless. Because that fear will humble I believe the fear will take care of the humility portion. And, Lord God, those that will serve you will serve you. And those, Lord God, that will turn their back and harden their hearts, God, it would be better that that you divide the goats and the sheep, God. And I believe that day is coming. You said it would be coming. When everything that can be shaken would be shaken. And I do pray, God, that the goats and the sheep would become more and more apparent. And that you would bring the sheep, God, back to their folds And give them teachers, God, that would feed them as you said in your words, as you said you would do. I pray, God, that you would purge the leaven out of the sheepfold, that that could happen, and that you tell us exactly where you want us to be and where you would have us go, Lord God. And I do pray, God, that you would bless these in this room in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray your angels would encamp around about us, around about the body of Christ, around about the people listening to this recording. Lord God, that your fear would be upon us, that your name would be glorified through us that the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, would be in our mouths, Lord God, as we went forth. because you said in your word, it's not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh a rock in pieces. And that, Lord God, we would be salt and light. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask all these things. Amen.